Sirius 197, XM202, The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. Ron-Zero-Fez. 866 Ron-Zero-Fez. 866 Ron-Zero-Fez. We'll be getting the... Ichiban. Ichiban's started. Ichiban, of course, means... Number one. Number one. Number one. Well, it's all right there. Uh, let's get it going right away. Here's Brandon. Colorado. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing well. I think Always Sunny has been still in your notebook. They took another line from you last night's episode with Murtaugh. What are you talking about? Well, they were doing blackface. Mac was still in his voice. And you know, the episode a couple see a couple episodes back, they stole Brown out from Pepper. Well, I don't think we invented uh, Brown out, which is uh, AA term. Hey, that was at my rehab days. 
And uh, blackface, uh, I think, has been around for quite a long time. But I like the conspiracy theories. Keep an eye out there on every TV show. Uh, and find out if anyone's using the. Because I came up with that. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Josh in Atlanta, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Ronnie B. Yes. Wanted to uh, update Ichiban. 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 Update. Our Atlanta Falcons on the national stage beat the Baltimore Ravens. Best record in the league. Best record in the league right now? They're better than the uh, Giants? 7-2. and two Oh, right yeah, that's now, right. So the Giants haven't played way. yet. Uh, Atlanta Falcons making things happen in a big, big way. And uh, we will see what happens. There's no way to gamble on football because they should have been beat last week by the uh, lowly Buccaneers. Sorry, Fez. But you can't put cash down. It can't happen for you. Garth, Indiana, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Just want to say uh, thank you for playing that great opening song from Dr. John on a motherfucking funky Friday. Yeah. Dr. John, everybody knows the doctor. Mac Rebinac. Uh Going white funk doesn't always happen. Well, you know, mix it up, Ronnie B. I didn't know. Come on. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Now, Hicks, you're telling me that we're getting a surprise guest coming in here. Looks like last minute we got someone coming in here. Very cool. Well, guest. Who is it? Cloris Leachman. Now, Cloris Leachman, of course, uh, legendary performer, won the Oscar for Last Picture Show, did all the great Mel Brooks films, Barry Tyler Moore, on and on and on. Supposed to be here Monday. Showing up a little bit early today. Well, uh... What time? About 10 minutes. Okay, so in about 10 minutes, how could somebody show up uh, three days in advance? I'm still trying to figure all that out since at, this, I at, found out. And at a ago. whole different time. Yeah. Well, now here's the problem. Never saw the show. Didn't get a chance to read the autobiography. I know. But come on in. Take off your skin and rattle around on your bones. Uh, it's the Ron and Fez show. Nothing shakes us up. Nothing stresses us why we are the run of face show smooth sailing ain't no hills for high steppers so you might hear of a train wreck of an interview coming up in just a few moments oh i predict good things i predict i end up calling her betty white that's my own personal uh opinion here uh also uh we're gonna have a scientist coming in later on in the show talking about global warming uh and his name is bjorn lomborg who apparently he disagrees with Al Gore. And he's got a, a, a brand new movie out. Something about Get Cool or Be Cooling. Cool. Yeah. And who's the director of that? Uh, Andra Tomri. She uh, she directed Dig. Right. She's, she won a couple of Sundance Awards. Yeah, Very she's cool. a great documentary director. And uh, so that'll be cool. And then also coming in to interact with me today, our own darling Lily. Lily will be here. Uh, which we're all excited about. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Looking for your... Ichiban! Your Ichibans. That's the big story of the day. Ichiban! The big story of the day. Stuff that everybody's talking about. Ichiban! Here's Dave in New Jersey. Hey, Dave. I have an emergency Ichiban, Ron. 
an emergency. What do you got? AMC's Rubicon will not be coming back for a second season, and uh, the diverse listening audience of the Run and Fest show should unite and put the word out to AMC to bring that shit back. One of the best shows of the fall, my friend. Uh... The odd thing, somebody just brought it up to me yesterday, and I said, I want to catch up on this Rubicon. I want to be part of it, because you don't get to hear about some of these small shows. Now it disappears. I heard it was very slow-moving, but beautiful shots of New York City. Now, as far as it goes back to saving a show, it's almost impossible, let's face it. The only time they ever saved a show, and this has become a nightmare, is Family Guy. And now we're fucking stuck with it. But uh, I already started Save the Event... Days before the first episode, and now I guess I'll have to save Rubicon. I'll have to save every single show out there. Get the hashtags out. And we'll hashtag this whole damn thing. Oddly enough, Rubicon got canceled, but the Rubik's Cube movie got uh, green-lighted. That's incredibly ironic. Uh, Sean, in New Jersey, you're on Ronna Fez. Hi, bodies. Uh, I have a, uh, I think I know what it means, but it's called an Ichiban. Ichiban. And it means... Number one. Try to remember that. Number one. ONA, I think a new record since the award came out, went over, I believe, uh, 44 minutes today. They went over 44 minutes, ONA. Sirius XM Employees of the Day. Congratulations, boys. And I, well, I, the reason why I, f I found out, I came in here today, I walked past Steve Blatter's office, and he, was, he had his radio blast, and he was going like this, yes, my plan is working, free entertainment, yes, 40 minutes free. I don't know why he talks that way. I guess it's his Nazi background. Um, but uh, we will have to figure out exactly, exactly... Uh, how to pull the whole thing together. Um, May, West Virginia, you're on my face. Hey, Mr. B. I yeah. homoerotic Ichiban. Well, this is a first for us, a self-contained homoerotic Ichiban. Ichiban. Yes, sir. Uh, two gay dudes get married in Dallas, Texas via Skype. Uh, so they got married over Skype. Yeah, they uh, connected with efficient uh, Sheila Reed Alexander mm -hmm. in D.C. and had her broadcasted behind them during the ceremony. And uh, she made it legal. Well, uh, what we could then do is maybe we could get married on Uvu. Uvu. Maybe Russ can get married down there. Um, might be perfect. I wouldn't yeah. mind getting Rust and married to our own Mark Zito, Sirius XM's favorite son, Mark Zito, the networker, Mark Zito, who has started something. Uh, and Mark Zito is quickly becoming the anti-Fez, where Fez gets thrown off by any kind of discomfort from the listeners. I noticed after yesterday's networking appearance by Mark Zito, and Hicks, see if you're familiar with this kind of behavior. He went out of his way to retweet all the anti-Mark Zito uh, tweets. So, if oh. you do write something bad about Mark Zito, let me uh, warn you this. You could get retweeted. You could get retweeted. Uh, my favorite tweet yesterday was Anthony's, who uh, 
actually went out of his way to to thank, and I forget which network it is for on Veterans Day, uh, running McHale's Navy, and not the TV show, but that remake movie that they did with Roseanne's uh, husband a couple years ago. As a way of saying to the veterans, thank you for your service. Um, Joe, Joe in uh, Philly, you're on the Manifest Show. Yeah, gentlemen, how are you? Um, I just want to tell you, you're on the right track there with the event. Mm. There was a show called Jericho two or three years ago that was on, and um, people did the same thing, writing campaigns and websites and all, and they brought it back for another season. And that was maybe the worst thing that ever happened to that show. <laughs> they had two bad days. A, they got the green light to make their show, and B, they got the green light to uh, stay with it. Um, here is Jaron in Utah. I'm looking for that Ichiban. What do you got for me, Jaron? What's up, Brown and Fez? Skyline opens in theaters today, and so far the movie reviews are looking really shitty. I'm a little disappointed. I thought this was going to be a great movie to see stoned. Uh, Skyline, is that the one where people get sucked up into, uh... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like a... Like a big vacuum cleaner opens up the top of your house and everybody disappears. And it just gets the people. It doesn't seem to get the things. Right. Mm. We don't know what they're going to do with the people. Well, I am going to... Um, I'm going to do this for them. I'm going to make sure that I walk out of the ticket line. I'm going to go stand in line and then yell out, this stinks, and walk out of the line. I don't think that's ever done before. And I'll do it judging the people online with me. Uh, Seth, in Wisconsin, you're on the Ronnie Fest Show. Yeah, uh, Dino De Laurentiis is dead at uh, 93. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis, uh, yes. who was a, a movie producer, uh, did Scarface. Uh, the first big film that he had here was King Kong when uh, he made the statement, when jaw cry, when jaw died, nobody cry. When Kong die, everyone will cry. And John Belushi ran with that and made it a big deal. But he was one of these guys, he uh, just made these big, flashy, kind of bigger-than-life movies. He actually came up with this idea of, guess what? We can sell movie tickets outside of the United States. So he would pre-sell his movies around the world and then come to the United States and attempt to have the movie. And we're like, well, these movies blow. And then the people over the world are like, this is great. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. And we're waiting uh, actually right now on a run-in uh, by Cloris Leachman. And we are ill-prepared, uh, Hicks. We don't know about her show, her book, uh, haven't read up on it at all because she was supposed to be here on Monday. I've heard of like you know being like twenty minutes early, but uh, something. Um, Wayne, Wayne and Queen, you're the Run of Fest show. Ichiban, Ronnie. Ichiban. Just read on the Daily News website, Brett Favre retires again. Now that's after the season. After the season? Yeah, he's not retired now. Oh, it says again. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he will retire, but when his season's over is the last I heard on it. Apparently, he's getting a lot of heat over this girl, went and talked to the NFL, and I don't know what he did wrong. A couple cockpicks. What's the big he deal? was sweet on a girl. Uh, she wasn't answering, so uh, he tried to send the goods. 
It's incentive. Hey, baby, get back to me. Send her some short dick. Get some short dick out there and see if that is going to turn her on. Uh, Sean, Minneapolis, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys, I've got a spy report for you. A spy report? Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. What do you got, Sean? All right, my wife is a preschool teacher at a religious school, mm. and Bob Dylan's grandchild is her student, and it's his birthday today, so definitely Jacob Dylan and possibly Bob Dylan will be there. I find this to be one of the creepiest calls I've ever got, <laughs> and your wife would be horrified, horrified to know that you would call a national radio show and announce such a thing. He's a little boy. Uh, it's not his responsibility of who his dad is or who his grandfather is, and uh, he needs his privacy, his privacy. It's not asking too much. Just let that kid be a little boy and don't make announcements about where he's going to school and what his birthday is. It's a weird world out there. But you don't expect it from the, the, the teacher's husband. The kid's not a celebrity. Kind of responsible there, buddy. Yes, thank you very much for backing me yeah, up. That's coming from me. That's coming from Mr. Responsibility. Tarp windows. Would you like to start going mind. with pity? Since it's Pepper, I'm sorry, tired of saying Pepper and we start pitying you. No, that's okay. I don't need your pity. How about uh, pity the fool? That's kind of cool, though, you know. Chris, pity the fool. I like to redo it. I hate uh, the name Draft House Kid. Uh... Most of these names are just hideous that we have here. Fez Watley, I like to change his name. Right now I'm looking at Spike or Zeno. I'm not sure which one. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ian in Montreal, you're on the Run of Fez show. Good morning, buddies. Yeah. I, to, I, got, I got an Ichiban for you. Ichiban? What do you got? Niccolo Rizzuto, one of the kingpins of the Italian mob here in Montreal and in New York City, got shot in the back of the head. The era is over of the old school godfathers. Let me just point this out. I'm looking over some of this stuff, and I kind of think of myself as a, as a freelance detective. I don't think this was an accident. I do not no, think was this a was a gun accident. No, he got shot in his kitchen from a sniper in the woods. Okay, definitely, this is leaning away from accident. Now, was he wearing antlers? I have no idea. 86 years old, probably wearing a house coat. Now, do you really have to go out of your way to kill an 86-year-old man? It seems like he's done being a mobster at that point. That's maybe someone's holding the grudge. Some of those old guys, though, they like to stay in control. Oh, hell yeah, why not? Well, the reason why not is some is sooner or later somebody will shoot you in the back of the head while you're oh. in the kitchen, which doesn't sound like an overly bad way to go when you're 86. There's so many worse ways to go out. Hell yeah, it's fucking pretty fast. I mean, you know, one minute you're making some fucking toast, next. I drinks. at least hope you got to eat some of it, not go through all the trouble making toast and don't even get a taste. That's a real tragedy. And my hope this doesn't happen to Cloris Leesterman while she's in here today. Um... Here's uh, Greg, New Hampshire. You're on Run of Fez. Uh, what's going on, boys? Got an Ichiban for you? Ichiban. Ichiban. Yeah. I got uh, Ray. He got game Allen in the Celtics torching the heat for the second time already. And uh, I got to tell you, it doesn't look good right now. I think it's too many egos on that team, Ronnie. It's not a team. They're not well, certainly team it's game. not a team yet. And 
it's the most overhyped basketball team that I think I've ever remember. You know, it doesn't mean that they won't come back together uh, with this thing, but they're just not ready. Were the Bulls back in their glory days or whatever? Jordan, were they ever even heralded as this crazy? Like, could, no, like, well, they, you know, yeah, I mean, they were guys that were winning championships, so, so they okay, start yeah. being heralded. <laughs> but you normally have to have done something before you become the Beatles. Well, it was the decision. Uh, the decision. That decision show was excellent. I'm sitting here thinking about a decision. I don't know. I guess I'll go to oh, Miami. No, I, I said last night that I was uh, going out to see the Julian Schnabel show. Um, you got the kid back there with you? He had uh, school stuff to take care Still of. Still taking care of school stuff. Because I brought up to you guys if you wanted to go. No one did. Who's there? Lou Reed <gasps> wearing what could best be described as some kind of a rubber coat. His what? coat was this long... <laughs> hunk of rubber that looked like it was latched together from different places. What color was it? Uh, it was black, obviously, right. to match his... Uh, since he's in his 70s, he wanted to wear black leather pants. He looked like a million bucks. And it looked like... I don't know, he had saw a bath mat that he really liked, and he kind of latched it together somehow. But the beauty of it was uh, that there had to be zero warmth to be gained from this. Well, it's okay. Last night wasn't too bad. So it was a good choice. On his yeah, part. it was. And he looked great. It looked like if your grandfather uh, pulled a welcome mat around himself, he'd have been popping with it. That's so fucking cool. Always exciting. New York City's always exciting. I love that he still rocks the pants, too. He does. He rocks it's, his whole life. He lives awesome. his life yeah. like a rock star. It's perfect. And there is so few rock stars uh, left out there in the world. Very, very few. Uh, we got a guest coming in. We thought it was going to be on Monday, but she's uh, coming in today. Uh, the Mel Brooks movies are always fantastic. And, of course, she did the Mary Tyler Moore show, Phyllis, uh, won an Oscar early on in her career for the last picture show, and now has got a brand-new show out on what network, Fox? It's on Fox. On Fox called Raising Hope. Uh, we'll bring her in, Cloris Leachman. I try so hard, my dear, to show that you were my every dream. Yet you're afraid each thing I do is just some evil scheme. A memory from your lonesome past keeps us so far apart. Why can't I free your doubtful mind And melt your cold, cold heart Another love before my time Made your heart sad and blue And so my heart is paying now That uh, song, of course, from the last picture show The last picture show Oh uh, Which was an Academy Award winner for you, Cloris Leachman, how are you? I'm I'm very happy to be here. And you don't remember that that uh, that song was in that film? Was that behind our scene at the end? I think it was. Although they I were think talking it was. mostly, I don't know they were singing. I don't think so. Uh, it's great to see you, and uh, 
Why are you wearing a beret? I'm time? wearing a beret because I'm standing at shoulder to shoulder with the French today. Ah. Uh, the French people have been so maligned uh, by uh, America that I thought to myself, <laughs> I have to stand here shoulder to shoulder with our French friends. <laughs> You've got a brand new TV show. Out. Oh, I'm just so happy, so thrilled. Yeah. It's so funny, and I'm so proud of it. It's so high level, I think. Not not just da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
They say, do you have any valuables? And I went right to my neck to, to show them my very valuable little teeny tiny pearl <laughs> necklace. <laughs> but I, to me, that was funny. Any valuables? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> After I touch my neck, uh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> so that was always the thing for you. You would always try to find that spot, no matter where it was try, that moment. I just kind of did. Yeah. And I'm not a funny person. Mm-hmm. I'm not witty and, you know, would bite. Right. I'm just silly. But just stupid, really, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you just give them a little stupid, because most people are, if you talk about being real. Um, that That is the human condition, I think. Uh, when you studied with Kazan, Brando was there. I mean, from an, you met Brando as a young person, right? Right then, uh-huh. Yeah. So did, and I didn't go out with him either. He asked me out. He I, asked you out. Yeah, and I thought, oh, God, I'd, I'd like to see the raccoon, but I don't know that. And I thought, I... The <laughs> <laughs> <For> raccoon. <laughs> He had a raccoon. <laughs> that was the way he, was, he would say, come on back, I'll show you the raccoon. He didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I did a really sexy dance. The uh, We had once a week, we'd have dance class mm-hmm. with a studio. And Anna Sokolow taught it. And she paired me with another actor. <clears throat> and we did this, an apash, it's called. Mm-hmm. And it was very controlled and sexy. And then they invited the other class to come in, and Marlon saw me dance with him. That's when he asked me out. And I thought, you want to get hurt? Go out with Marlon. Right. Was, head. was he already Brando Brando by that point? I mean, was he already the biggest I, star in the world? Or? Um, I knew something. I don't know yeah. what. But <clears throat> I thought, uh-oh, danger. <laughs> don't do it. What, what, what time period? Is this like late 50s? or 40s. The 40s? 40, 47. Wow. Or in 48. Yeah. And that's when all that style of acting was starting, I guess, that that we're going after realism and... Well, there's always been wonderful acting, wonderful actors, but um, I think we were very proud of ourselves. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And every right to be. I tell a silly little story in my one-woman show about uh, Kazan telling how important objects are in a scene. Mm Mm-hmm. If you choose the right object and the way you use it, it tells a great deal about everything, either your character, how you're feeling, what the story is, anything. And this one one kid got up, Don Hanmer, got up one day, and he was going to peel a banana without the banana in his hand. He just was going to do it perfectly. And he, all of a sudden he said, Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I, I can smell it. He thought his improv was so magical it actually had an aroma. It was me. I was sitting in the second row eating a banana. <laughs> so that uh, that explosion, I guess, of all you young actors together and the writers that were there and the directors has been now like the last 50 years. I mean, all those people went on to do such terrific stuff. It's phenomenal when Jack you think Warden, about it. Julie Harris, Eli Wallach, all of them. So many wonderful, wonderful actors. And then almost all of those people, yourself included, had people that, to come and, you know, uh, use you guys as mentors. You know, it's made its way now uh, across the United States and, and now the world. It's amazing when you think about it. Yeah. I remember uh, after Marlon sort of set the tone uh, with his acting, after that other actors would take maybe two minutes before they they were asked a question before they would answer the question was asked and 
You know, they do these millions of things <laughs> before they answer. Mm-hmm. Everybody had all the time in the world. Yeah, this is about did. me now. Yeah, <laughs> That's phenomenal. And, you know, it's really crazy, too, is that day, like, all the social mores were changing across the world. You know, it kind of happened there first. I mean, when you look back at Greenwich Village or whatever in the 50s, that became what everybody else was doing in the 60s. You know, you guys were so much on the forefront. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there was a real strong thing about um, sexuality and, you know, races being able to be together in that period before it started to happen. I learned a lot uh, as an actor and and opened up a lot. I don't mean opened up. uh, You you feel you really earn or own compassion Mm -hmm. as you become an actor more and more. You, You stop with the righteousness and the decisions <coughs> excuse me um, if you any even if you play a bad person you have to justify to yourself that you're doing the right thing right for some reason or other if you don't it's it doesn't have reality right so you always have to feel that your character is doing at least for them, the right thing. No one sees themselves. Even if it's bad. Yeah, no I'm one sees... I'm doing see- this bad thing for the right reason. Right. Which is how we get wars and everything else, yeah. right, when you think yeah. about it. Most of the people feel like, well, I'm doing what I can do for my people. I still kill mosquitoes and flies, however. You still will do that to oh, this day. instantly. Yeah. I, I think it's very terrible to make anybody suffer. But if you go, kill them quickly, I think it can be excused. <laughs> mosquitoes and moths. So yeah. as long as it happens fast, very fast, it's they, over. As long as they don't feel pain or yeah. fear, it's okay. And then by the time you got to the seventies, here you were uh, lightning strikes again with the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which was, I don't think people understand just how gigantic a show like that was. I mean, it was just an enormous hit. Wasn't Ted Knight just hysterical? Phenomenal. Oh. Phenomenal. He grew in his part, too. Yeah. I think the director had trouble with him at first. He, uh, but then he began to realize what he had. Just yeah. Precious gold. Yeah, because at first, I guess it was written as a one-note character, uh-huh. which I guess happens with all TV shows, right? You just have that one thing, and then whether the character can grow or not. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff. And now you've got uh, Raising Hope. And Raising Hope is so... It's a loving... sweet. There's a sweetness in it. That yeah. really comes from uh, Lucas Neff, the uh-huh. father of the baby. He brings a sweetness to that little baby that just touches me, and is is amazing and ridiculous and outside as it is. There's always that definite sweetness. It's so so nice. It's not just a sitcom, right? It isn't. And that's one of those things that you can find. But with all your work, you knew that early on. You're like, oh, this is yeah, one of the good the ones. Oh, yeah, the first script is brilliant. <laughs> that's great. Cloris Leachman, what, a, uh, what an honor to have you stop Thank by you here this so morning. Much. And congratulations for everything. And it's wonderful to hear these uh, stories. Congratulations on the autobiography, too, that you did. My last... husband really wrote it, and I didn't even read it till after it was published. <laughs> is that truth. right? Yeah. Just took your stories. stories though. <laughs> <laughs> and that... he's a wonderful writer, so... Thank you so much for Thank stopping you, by today, Thank and I wish you the best much. with everything. Thank you. The Virus. Sirius 197, XM202. Ron and Fez. If I'm fucking six women three times a day, seven days a week, 
How many times per week am I fucking? Was it 10? Was it 130? Was it 16? I was tripping out. That's some weird stuff, man. You telling me? <laughs> Danny Duke seems good at two things. That's man and fucking. <laughs> It's Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, coming up in just a little while, uh, we're going to have on Bjorn Lomborg, Bjorn Lomborg, uh, who wrote a book a couple of years ago called The Skeptical Environmentalists, um, which, of course, created a huge a bit of controversy. And now there's a brand new film uh, out called Cool It!, and it's about the environment and what we could uh, do, what we could not do. And some of this is a rebuttal to the Al Gore work. So, uh, very interesting film. You've got to try to see it if you can. Cool it. Uh, just got an email here that says, Fez is back. Uh, I haven't been listening all, uh, all day, but uh, just tuned in during the show. And Fez seems like he's really into it. Caught his story about doing a sexy dance for Marlon Brando and about eating the banana at acting class. It was great work, Fez. Keep it up. P.S. You should, should have gone out with Brando and let him show you the raccoon. Wink, wink. Also, a radio psychic. Radio psychic. Radio psychic. Radio psychic. Uh, kind of a post-radio psychic to remind us early, like pre-football season, Fez Watley picked his Atlanta Falcons to win it all. So, Fez, as of right now, you're in strong, strong shape there. My dark horse leading the pack, actually, in the NFL. Your dark horse is leading the pack. Do you think the Cowboys Colts still Russell has a chance? No, I don't think so. Uh, the Colts, though, I can't... Uh, you're always going to be dangerous with that man at quarterback. Something could always happen. Uh, but you really don't fucking know. Uh, who's going to win it all this year? But Fez Watley's dark horse going seven and two in that shitty division of theirs. Congratulations, boys! Matt Ryan lit it up. It's really fucking crazy to watch that last night. Oh, uh, where'd you watch? I went over a friend's house because I was like, figured I right, might as well fucking watch the football game for once. This is hard for me to believe. You have a friend that doesn't work with you, a person who has the choice whether to spend time with you or not, and there, still chooses. There's one or two of them, yeah. Or well, maybe I kind of imposed myself, but, you know, whatever. I got a feeling you're the arty of your neighborhood, by the way. I, got, I, I know what's going on, you know, in the corners. Uh, we had the wake last night, and this morning is the was the mass for Artie, and, and it's his funeral, but at the wake last night... It was so adorable. Everybody sent him um, a lot of red, white, and blue flowers. And this is the part that got to me. He was laid out on Veterans Day. You know, so see him sitting there in the box. You can be disconnected from. But they had his veterans hat that he liked to put on every Veterans Day sitting there at the table. Nice. And that got to me a little bit. Uh, uh, but then after that, I went out, enjoyed that. Went to Elaine's uh, Fezzi and saw, uh, while we were all enjoying Elaine's, which is a well-established uh, restaurant on the Upper East Side, uh, not only was Dick Enberg in there, but somebody who Fez does an impression of. And the 
uh, impression is simply Angela. Angela! There it is. Now you know who, who it was. Try it again, Fez. Angela! Oh, he was sitting there uh, surrounded by a bunch of guys with his salt and pepper beard just enjoying himself at Elaine's. That's awesome. Dick Enberg uh, came back from the pisser and was just like waving to people as if anyone was, you know, excited to have Dick Enberg there. I didn't understand that. I don't know why he's in town and why he seems to feel the need to wave to people that aren't even looking at him. Sorry, again, their faces. It's like, no, it was more like a thing. It was like, yeah, I get it. I'm Dick, okay. <laughs> I'm Dick Enberg. Settle down. But nobody was doing that at all. Aw. Uh, also out there last night, uh, wearing a cowboy hat for some odd reason, was uh, Dick Cavett, who I've always wanted to do one of the Unmasked episodes with, but we can't seem to get him in. I guess because he'd have to come 12 blocks. Maybe he doesn't go below 57th Street. I also uh, saw that and our life here in New York City is going to be a nightmare, uh, starting in a couple of weeks of just tourists. And today they put up the shitty Christmas tree. And I'm not just running down Christmas, but this Christmas tree does not look like it needs to be sitting next to 30 Rock. There's not enough branches. They're going to have to really go big on the lights this year. I hate when they all just get in this area and they, they, they won't move for oh, fucking they love it. seven weeks. They do love it. I never fucking really saw the the greatness in that giant tree. Well, you know how people have a, a Christmas tree? Yeah. Well, this one's giant. I mean, it's oh. really big. But then, okay. after they cut it down, that wood will be used to build homes. They have to go out of their way to act like we're not throwing this giant tree out. How big is this fucking house they're going to build? It's, not, it's like more like a storage shack of some sort. <laughs> it's the Shed. The tree this year... Is 2,000 feet. What the fuck? I think it was a sequoia they cut down. How the hell they find that thing? Uh, well, there's only one place to find sequoia, my friend, and that is uh, Northern California. All right, Humboldt County type status? Then? Yeah. All right. That is the, and way to use the word status, which I really haven't heard since the 90s. Bringing it all back, right? Remember when me. everybody would do that? Oh, you're doing a cigar status thing. Oh, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Everything has to be status now? Uh, by the way, Cloris Leachman would not leave here, and we just sat and talked about Greenwich Village for another 12 minutes. It's awesome. Uh, see you guys in there. But uh, I spared you guys, so. I've never seen anybody show up, and they told me that's the number five show in the country, which I would have had the chance to watch it before then, and I'd been able to talk to her about it. But we do a new thing. Uh, I'm going to send you your guests three or four days early. I love when she said this. I didn't read my book. My husband wrote it. Uh, he knows my stories. He's heard them all before. Whatever. Get them down. Yeah. Let's hear all the stories of the people you didn't date. You turned down Brando and Mel Brooks. That's not uh, That's not smart thinking. Yeah, what's her problem? I don't know what it was about her when she was younger, but she just felt the need. She was all dolled up, though, as we like to say in my family. Oh, yeah. She had that, uh, like, a sweater around her shoulders. I'm not sure what that's yeah, called. Yeah, she was rocking uh, some kind of a... I just, got here Shawl, i just maybe? got off yeah i just got off of a uh, sailboat i was <laughs> was out sailing with the kennedys i wanted to stop in and talk to you about my new show yeah her and her guy were very happy that i knew anything about the that whole uh and she also ran down stanislavski off the air which i was oh, happy shit. to hear yeah was, maybe it wasn't uh, Stanislavski. Who's the other acting teacher? Um, Strasburg. Strasburg. She ran down. 
You're right, Fezzi. You know acting because you are a former actor? I am a uh, theater minor, yes, in college. Now, isn't that close to Asia? Oh, that's Asia minor I'm thinking mm -hmm. of. What do they even Just mean? Just below when, theater. What do, theater they, minor. what do they mean when they say Asia Minor? I always thought it was like the smaller part of Asia, like underneath there, like Indonesia and that kind of, that area. Well, you could pick out any part uh, of Asia and it could be the minor part. I'd like to know where America Minor is. I'm going to say Mississippi, but that's just for me. That's just because they kicked that kid off the team for the, wearing pink shoes because uh, his grandmother had breast cancer, which, thanks, NFL. And I think they did another thing in Mississippi. There's some uh, video out of the coach beating the kids with a weight belt. What and the then fuck? he said he did everything to focus on these kids. And uh, he's sorry if that focus uh, caused anybody any pain. Well, that isn't what caused the pain. Uh, the pain, obviously, uh, comes from hitting people with a weight belt. I got another uh, email here that says wearing a beret is gay. You know what? There is a... T I, I'm one of these people who believes this. If you have a warm hat, you're going to stay warm. I don't get all caught up in the whole coat thing. But we're in the 50s here today... I want to wear a hat. I can't wear a winter hat. I need something tight and on there. I'm rocking a beret. Now, because of the situation here today, I didn't get a chance to get my beret off. It's a madhouse in this building today. Oh, it's rapid fire over here. Jesus Christ. It is. It's one after another. Um, here is uh, Chris. Chris, you're on Hey, guys. Uh, I was actually in a movie with Cloris Leachman and Mrs. Partridge, and I asked Cloris for her picture, so we're posing, and Mrs. Partridge is actually taking a picture of us, and I feel this hand on my ass so hard, and she was feeling me up. She's amazing. She's beautiful, and I still kind of have a little crush on her. Well, there's no reason that you shouldn't just say to yourself, um, would you like to come back and see the raccoon? What? I, I mean, first of all, and, and people are always looking at ways to pick up women and it's always awkward brando had a line would you want to come see the raccoon now in terms of lines it's an awful one here's how it worked for him though he was brando he was brando um because if you're brando and it's the 50s you would have been able to say hey i have a room at my house where you can take a look at my dick and they would have been lined up there they would have been lined up like he had Beanie Babies he was giving out for free. I don't know if Beanie Babies are still big. It's an awkward day. Um, and we got Bjorn Lomborg coming in, who I think used to pitch for the Phils. I'm not exactly sure about that. But uh, do you believe in the global warming thing at all, Hicks? Oh, I think that, I don't know. It, you think it, the planet's shot? We don't stand a chance? Oh, no, we're, we're going to fucking pull through. I'm pretty sure of that. We're not going to destroy ourselves. I think it's just paranoid, crazy talk. I See, I have this theory that technology is the way to go to get out of this stuff. Yeah. That at some point, you know, the reason why... You can't go backwards. You can't go backwards. And this whole thing of turn your lights off, but people are never going to react to that. You just have to find a cleaner, cheaper way of doing things and... Uh, obviously, you have to make a way for people to get rich doing stuff for them to want to do it. Um, but, you know, there was a, 
a thing here in New York City, if you, I think it was in the 1800s, 1890s, there was a newspaper article that came out that said that this, this city would not be sustainable because of the amount of horse shit. And they couldn't see any way around that. We got a lot of people. Everyone's got to move. You got horses. New York will not be able to make it because there's too much horse shit. Well, then they came up with a car. You end the horse shit problem. So now we need something new to end the car problem. Now, we know it can't have oil because that's a problem for us. And more importantly, this thing can't shit or else we'll be stuck up to our armpits and shit. So I want you guys to get working on it. Uh, we got Bjorn Lomborg, Bjorn Lomborg, um, who is a... Uh, He's got a Ph.D. degree in political science at the University of Copenhagen. And he's there at the Copenhagen Business School. He's written a book uh, called The Skeptical Environmentalist. He is an environmentalist, but he's skeptical uh, of some of the stuff that we talk about. And here's the problem that we have with the environment. It's got to work on so many different levels. It's got to work politically for people. It won't get done. It's got to work economically. It won't get done. And it's got to be work for the environment or else we're all going to choke to death. So uh, we'll see what Bjorn has for us. Let's bring him into the Brian and Fez show. It's Bjorn Lomborg. Welcome to the uh, to the show. Uh, the brand new movie is Cool It. Cool it. That's it. And um, the book, of course, the skeptical environmentalist was controversial. Do you expect the the movie to go the same direction? Oh, it does seem like it's stirring up some controversy. Um, controversy? I'm, I keep getting that word Any wrong. Any way you want to go, I say controversy, <laughs> but I say a lot of words wrong. But any, anyway, the the point really is that we try to stake out a, a common or sensible middle ground. Mm -hmm. uh, global warming is very often portrayed either as oh, it's not happening at all, or it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And neither of those positions are true. Global warming is real, it's happening, it is man-made, but it's not the you know uh, doomed all end of the world kind of thing that Al Gore and many others pointed out. And that, you know, quite frankly, makes a lot of people on both sides of that issue a little angry. Well, you, d you are right. We do have two sides of the issue. You have the people who believe uh, Al Gore's film, Inconvenient Truth, it's frightening, if all of his facts are correct. And then the other side of none of this stuff is real. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, and I've, I'm going to say from your way of thinking, they're both wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, listen, if you ask some of the world's top climate economists and top climate scientists, they tell us climate change is real. Mm -hmm. But the way we tackle it right now is incredibly inefficient. Uh, if 
everybody, you know, right now the only real climate uh, uh, policy on the books is the EU policy. And they're going to be spending $250 billion every year for the rest of the century. The net effect will be to reduce temperatures by the end of the century by one-tenth of one degree Fahrenheit. Right. So we're going to spend $20 trillion, and we won't even be able to measure the difference in 100 years. That's not smart policy. And so I say global warming is real. But the current approach, the Al Gore approach to tackling it, is just simply not working. Well, what are we doing now with that $250 trillion that's so wrong? What are we doing that's wasteful? Well, we're essentially focusing on saying, let's promise to cut carbon emissions right now. Mm -hmm. The problem is, it's pretty expensive to cut carbon emissions right now. So if you do it for real, very often we just cook the books instead. But if you actually try to do it for real, it's very costly because you have to, you know, for instance, get solar panels that are 10 times more expensive than fossil fuels. Right. So you can do that. I mean, we can, if you're willing to spend enough money, you can do a lot of stuff. But essentially, you end up spending lots and lots of money putting up incredibly inefficient solar panels. You feel good about yourself. But it does very little to actually cut carbon emissions, not the least because, of course, all that we do here in U.S. or in Europe, it's going to be negated by the fact that China and India are just going to grow dramatically. Mm -hmm. They're not going to stop lifting hundreds of millions of people out of poverty to, to, you know, uh, to adhere to our agenda. So this is really about getting our story straight. The idea of saying, let's cut carbon emission as long as it's expensive is not going to fly with politicians, and economically, it turns out to be a bad deal. Instead, and that's the beauty of this film, it's not just a film that says, oh, everything we do is wrong. It yeah. also says, what should we do? The point is, get green technologies to be much cheaper by investing in research and development. And the simple point, uh, although to do it in real life will probably be harder, the simple idea is, imagine if we could get solar panels to be cheaper than fossil fuels in, say, two decades. We would have solved global warming. Right. Everyone would start switching, not because we had to force them, but because it would be cheaper. And not just rich, well-meaning Westerners, but also the Chinese and the Indians. So, A, this whole thing is a rich man's problem from right up the bat. If you have malaria in your country, if you have starvation in your country, you can't take the time to think of the environment, what's going to happen 100 or 200 years from Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Uh, and then the other part of it that I think is interesting that the film brings up is that economy has to play a part in this. People almost have to get rich with the new technology for it to take on the way people were able to get rich digging oil wells. Yeah, us. listen, we, we're not going to solve this problem unless we can make it economically feasible for people. Uh, you have all these grand promises, mm -hmm. but they don't actually come true. I, I think a great example is, uh, do you remember Schwarzenegger back in 2005? Mm -hmm. He was promising essentially to bring California into the Kyoto Protocol and by 2020. Now, everybody knew he was going to be out of the governorship in 2010, so essentially what he was promising was, I solemnly pledge, I can't do the Schwarzenegger, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I solemnly pledge to have somebody else do the hard work in 15 right. years from now. But we all applauded him. We all thought, ooh, that's so brilliant. But essentially, he was making an empty promise because, of course, now California is worried about just paying their bills. And so making these promises with no, uh, uh, you know, with no sense of this ever going to happen is not taking global warming seriously. That's just you know, showcasing pol uh, politicking. Yeah. So at some point, we need to pull the world together on this, yeah. every part of the world, or else it doesn't work. And another part of it, we have to think about the economics 
and then the environment has to fall in. If we keep going the way we're going now, we will hit a bad spot, though. We will All have, these things will happen. We will definitely have a problem with global warming. And so what we're trying to say with the film, we, uh, this is actually Anda Timoner. She's the filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, she's the only uh, director to win Sundance twice. I think really? she made a, an amazing film. Because, honestly, this is a complex issue. And, you know, it could very easily have become a very dull movie. But mm -hmm. she's made it, you know, engaging and exciting. And I'm just, you know, I'm just in awe of that. But, but really, what I think is crucial is to recognize you need to start talking about other smarter ways forward. We do a budget in the film where we can say, instead of spending $250 billion on the current approach, which will reduce temperatures by a tenth of a degree Fahrenheit by the end of the century, why don't we spend that money smartly? We could spend it on research and development into green energy. Essentially, you know, get those cheap energy technologies in the next 20 to 40 years. That will solve global warming. We could also spend some of it on adaptation, that is, make sure that some of the especially poor countries that are going to be hit by global warming will be able to deal with those problems. And then we could spend about $100 billion on actually helping people with all the other problems you were talking about. Yeah. The fact that you know, more, more than half the world's population, things like food or access to clean drinking water or sanitation or basic health care or education. Why don't we focus on those very, very simple things as well. The beauty is we can do all of this for $250 billion. So the real question is, do you want to spend $250 billion doing virtually no good 100 years from now? Or do you want to spend the same amount of money and do all the major smart things today, both fix global warming, the impacts of global warming, and all the other problems? Well, the problem's going to be there. You're going to ask for the U.S. and Europe to carry this thing. They've got their own people to answer back to politically. Um, and it seems like we do better if we say, hey, we're going to have a war against these people. <laughs> we can raise money very, very quickly that yeah, way. True, we can spend money th quickly that way. How do, how do you convince Europe and the U.S. that you're going to solve all these problems by coming in on the ground floor, almost like in a John F. Kennedy Peace Corps kind of well, way. Well, I'm, I'm going to make this incredibly cheesy comment to have people watch the film. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in reality, there's this great American environmentalist who used to say, I, I just love this quote, you know, politicians are better wanes. Our job is to make the wind blow in the right direction. Right. And I think that's exactly what we need to do and what we can do with this film. We are poised to be spending hundreds of billions of dollars ineffectively. At least there ought to be a good argument for saying, why don't we much, much smarter? Now, are we going to end up spending all our money? No, probably not. We're probably, you know, politicians are going to shave off billions right. here and there. We're not going to do all of it. We're not going to do as effectively as we could do. But this is about what we can achieve. Instead of doing something phenomenally stupid, let's do something that's pretty damn smart. It's not going to be the best ever, but it's going to be good. Mm. And that's really the trick. If we can move the world towards doing better, I think, you know, we've done a great job. And you're uh, obviously uh, hopeful that this can happen, but we've seen so many other people, uh, the dreamers, the saying, hey, here is the way to get onto this. And it starts to get crushed down in the political landscape time and time again. And, and I think you know, I, I'm totally prepared that that is also what's going to happen in the sense that there's a lot of people going to come and say, oh, you can't do that. And we also want to. And of course, remember, one of the reasons why uh, the current policies are so popular is that a lot of companies make a lot of money from these incredibly right. inefficient subsidies. Uh, when we subsidize biofuels, 
a lot in the agricultural sector get you know uh, a lot of extra pay. Now, if I was in the agricultural sector, I'd be com- uh, campaigning for these. But they're not smart from a societal or from a global standpoint. And so it's about getting our priorities straight. And my point is not to say that I think just by making this film, then everything will be hunky-dory and the world will be okay. But it's about setting us on the right track. As long as we applaud politicians like Al, uh, Al Gore, but also Schwarzenegger and you know, uh, Angela Merkel in Germany and Tony Blair in, in, in the UK or Obama promising what's going to happen in 2050, as long as we make those standing ovations to people who are essentially making very, very unrealistic policies, they will keep making them. What I would like us to do is to start asking our politicians to make smarter cheaper and much more effective promises to tackle some of the big problems in the world. The film outlines uh, outlines that, and if we can move just a slight bit towards that, I think we'll have done a lot of good. Uh, But it also seems like you need to get some corporation to start making big money at this stuff so that other people come in. Because one of the things in the film that I found fascinating was just how many brilliant people are out there doing uh, technical work yeah. that there's so many different avenues and really really smart people working on it but it almost seems like we need a big success story in the same way i, I remember hearing about the personal computer and what was going to happen for the telephone we would hear about that seven eight years before it happened and just about the time you're thinking well it's not going to happen all these really cool things start to happen yeah. So we need that to go down. We need corporations behind it. And I would love to see that happening. But I think we also need to be realistic in the sense of saying most of these green energy technologies are still some 20 to 40 years away from actually being uh, 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 realistic in terms of economics. And that means we do need to invest dramatically in research and development. We cannot expect companies to do this because right now solar panels are perhaps 10 times as expensive as fossil fuels. If I'm the guy who comes up with this amazing discovery of halving that price, they'll still be five times too expensive. So while it's a great innovation, it's not enough to get companies interested. And so you, you mentioned the IT revolution, and I think that's a good sort of example. The idea here is to rea- realize that in 1950s, the way to move forward on, the, on, on, on uh, uh, an IT revolution was not to try to tax alternative energy as we're trying, uh, sorry, alternative technologies. It was not to tax typewriters to say, okay, then we'll get right. the computers uh, faster. It was not to try to buy everyone these inefficient computers, you know, promise every American a computer in 1960. That would have been a terrible idea. Instead, what we should do was, and we did, was invest dramatically in research and development. We did it through the space race and through the military race. But the point was we just bought a few of the computers, but a lot of the research. And that led to this technology being eventually so cheap and so smart that IBM and Apple made their computers in, yeah. the, uh, in the early 80s. And that's the way forward. So absolutely, we want to get to the point where people just start selling solar panels and everybody buys them, not because they're subsidized, but because they're cheaper. Yeah. But we do need a sustained government effort first in investing in research and development, just like we did with the IT revolution. Well, so much of that, like you said, came out of the space program. So much of that technology came out of it. And then all the corporations in those days used to have big research and development uh, departments that seems is shrinking down, that we need to, all right, whatever is working, let's beat it, let's get all the money for this quarter, then we'll shoot for the next quarter. Long-range thinking uh, 
is almost out the door, I think, right now with corporations. Well, it, it depends a lot on who you're talking to. Some places, like, for instance, in energy, research and development is down dramatically. And I think to a large extent, that's because we've been focusing on global warming in the wrong way. We've been focusing on promising to make carbon cuts, which focus you on technology that's already there rather than technology that'll be there in 10 or 20 years. But if you look, for instance, at the biotech industry, they have huge and very, very bungeoning. Is that the right word again? Uh, I think you're doing it. <laughs> yes. I think it's working. Uh, bungeoning uh, 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 R&D de uh, departments where they spend huge amounts of money on developing the drugs and the biotech materials that are going to be uh, uh, useful in 10 or 20 years. So I, I, I don't think it's, it's true as a broad stroke, but yeah. it's definitely true in some of those areas that are going to fix global warming. Um, and that is a good point that you made, that people, and I don't know whether we're even all, always aware of it, but uh, that, you know, medically we're doing things. If you would have had a heart attack in the 1970s, you're so much better to have a heart attack or cancer, whatever it happens yeah. to be now. Now is yeah. the time to do it as compared well, to then. I, I prefer it in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> and then then it'll be like, hey, I've got to miss work tomorrow, but I'll be in you know, half a day. But we do make these giant leaps and that somehow we take for granted or we just, you know, we adapt to them. But it almost is like we don't celebrate our yeah. victories enough. And it's all about these defeats. And I think one of the big differences when I saw uh, the Al Gore movie is it was pretty depressing where your movie, I think, is a rallying uh, yeah. cry, which is it, worlds apart. It, they're tagline it as the first optimistic film about global warming. Mm -hmm. now, we, you shouldn't just be optimistic because it makes you feel better. Right. But I actually think just pointing out, oh, my God, everything is going to hell is not very helpful because yeah. it doesn't mobilize people. It gets people's attention, and that was what Gore did, and you know, congratulations to him for making people realize global warming was real. But it also makes you just give up. Yeah. Whereas the real point, or it makes you panic, and then we make these really bad decisions. The real point here is to make sure that we make smart decisions, and that's about being embracing, as you just talked about, the fact that our ingenuity is really one of the things that can change the world. Right. And so this is about spurring that ingenuity, finding solutions, because, listen, most people don't actually burn fossil fuels to annoy Al Gore. We burn it because it powers everything we like. You know, the studio is lit up, the ability for us to broadcast, but also just basic things like feeding us and cooling us or heating us or bringing us to work. Those things are made possible by ample energy. Yeah. And people are not going to give up that. What we need to do is to be able to provide the same services, but with green energy. And that only happens if we make green energy much cheaper. So at some point, you have to play to people. I, I guess we still, as far as what motivates people, it's still, I need mine, I need my food, I need you know relaxation, yeah. my shelter. And it's tougher for people to sit around. If you're going to Walmart and you're getting a, you know cheap clothing, you're not exactly thinking about, you know, did little Chinese kids have to make this? Is this why it's cheap? At some point, we have to make it work for people to get them involved in it. Oh, absolutely. But listen, you know, in, in many places, the, uh, in China is a good example. China has lifted perhaps three or 400 million people out of poverty because they've become the workhouse, uh, mm -hmm. workhorse of, of, of the world. That doesn't mean that, you know, I, I envy most of the Chinese workers. I don't. 
but they probably much better off on average than they were you know, 20 or 40 years ago uh, when a large part of the population was actually starving. So we are moving in the right direction, but what we need to recognize is if we're going to do even more good, and I think we need to do that, we, keep, you know, we have to keep pushing the envelope, we have to do this with smart technology. That is really the only way that we're going to fix this problem. And the and, and, and the concern that I have is much of the climate debate has been in this, as you mentioned, the, this sort of depressing, uh, 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 panicky sort of mood. Uh, we go interview some British kids in the film. Uh, that you know basically think their their world is yeah, over they're uh, before before they are going to uh, be adults. You know, there's this one kid that draws a planet that's all blue, and you know he just thinks there's going to be uh, there's going to be oceans everywhere. And I ask him, so where are we going to be living? And he goes, uh, nowhere. Hmm. And I ask him, when might this happen? Uh, I, you never know. It might just happen today. And I'm like, no, you're going home for scones with your parents tonight. <laughs> and, and, and in some way, we need to get away from that panic, not only because it's terrible for these kids and it's terrible for you know, people who walk around and believe that the world is going to come to an end, but also because it simply stifles our ability to find smart solutions. So as far as people riding bikes to work and all, instead, of, that's fine, but that's not really going to solve our problems. Listen, I, I, I only have a bike, mm -hmm. and, and I, I don't, I've never owned a car. You know, by all means, do these things, but it's important to recognize that this is not about a few personal things that you do, and then everything is hunky-dory. Mm -hmm. You need to have a systemic change, and that's about getting new green energy to be much cheaper. So this is really about forcing your politicians to stop making these simple but ultimately ineffective promises and start having them make smart decisions that are cheaper, more effective, and will actually fix climate change. So ask your politicians to do smart things, invest in research and development. That's really what this film is about. And I, I, I hope this will energize people to come out and say, that's the smart way forward. Now, when the politicians of the world get together, the world leaders, they come together, uh, how much time are they spending on the environment? And are they joining together on this or are they battling back and forth? Listen, they're, they're not really very concerned about this right now. They're mm -hmm. worried about getting people jobs, getting people growth in the economy. But that will always be the case. And that's, of course, one of the reasons why Al Gore can get everybody riled up about global warming, mm -hmm. but we don't actually make any decisions. Notice, over the last, uh, since Rio summit in 1992, the Earth Summit, we have been trying virtually every year to make a treaty on global warming. And we failed virtually every time. We did succeed in 1997, but it never actually got implemented with the Kyoto Protocol. So fundamentally, We've been making the same failed policy for the last 18 years. It failed spectacularly in Copenhagen, my home city, mm -hmm. uh, uh, last December. Yet every, everybody's reaction was, uh, okay, then we got to go to Cancun next year and try the same recipe yeah. again. And at some point, you've got to ask yourself, when does sufficient numbers of failures turn into you saying, we need a different strategy? There's, a, there's this famous saying, you know, uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. That's insanity. Right? Yeah. And we've got to stop doing the same thing over and over. They're going to meet in Cancun in a couple of weeks, and they're going to fail. Everybody knows this. And then they're going to meet again next year in South Africa. And I appreciate these all nice places to go, but it's perhaps not the right way to try to solve the world's problems. Is there one guy out there that you think can rally the world? Is there somebody, is there one politician out there that you feel like is on the right track? Or 
surprisingly, the only nation that does a little bit right is India. India has actually put a small carbon tax on coal. That's very surprising. It's a very, very small one. It's、mm-hmm. half as it's fifty cents per uh, uh, per ton of CO two, but they use that money to put into research and development into green energy. So they're actually doing what we're supposed to do and doing it smart. That's what the economists are telling us: are five hundred times more effective than the current approach、uh, to tackling global warming. But most politicians, as long as we applaud them for making these grand promises, are going to keep making the promises instead. So what we need to do is to tell them that's no longer going to work.、Uh, I think a lot of politicians realize they've painted themselves into a corner by making all these promises that they can't keep. And in some ways, you could say the film. And the argument here is a way to unpaint politicians from this corner,、uh, and that would be cool if people start, you know,、uh, or politicians start uh, 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 embracing smarter ideas. But I think it has to come from us. Again, they're they're weather vanes, and we、yeah. have to, you know, blow the wind in the right direction. And the other interesting part of this that I got is the interconnectedness of the entire world. That. There isn't a difference between the global warming and starvation or malaria. It it's all pulled together. It's almost as if the world was one body, and you, there was an infection in the toe. You don't necessarily run and just worry about one part of it. It affects、yeah. the entire body. Yeah, and and listen, we need to make sure that we don't just focus on the problem that gets the most media attention or、mm-hmm. that has the cutest animals. Yeah, at the end of the day. Most people in this world have much more immediate problems than global warming. This doesn't mean that because we're rich, we shouldn't also be concerned about global warming. But I do believe that there's a strong moral argument for saying we should be caring about those billions of people who don't have the very basic necessities of life. And the beauty of the solution that we're proposing is essentially to say you could afford both. If we were just smart about both, instead of spending money ineffic- inefficiently on global warming, which is going to do very little good at very high cost, why don't we spend less money, smarter, and tackle the problem? And oh, by the way, then we have money over to deal with all these other problems as well. I see Bill Gates is taking a lot of his money, working in Africa with it, and.、Yeah. Um, Not really waving a flag down there, but kind of rolling up his sleeves and getting work done.、Yeah. It seems to me those are the kind of the people that are going to be the key to this. Bill Gates is doing an amazing amount of good work, and he's been very, very self-effacing about it. And so I think it's worth for us to sing his praises.、Uh, uh, but, but again, I think if we're going to get it right, because he's also been very explicit about not really tackling global warming.、Mm-hmm. If we are going to focus on global warming, we need to have a conversation that'll be much smarter. On global warming, and that's really what this film is all about. It's about getting us to start talking in a new language, talking about efficiency, not not having this old debate of is it happening or is it the end of the world or is it a, a big hoax? Yeah, no, it is happening. It's not the end of the world. But then starting to talk about what are smart strategies because that's really what we need to do now. But is there some scary line that we'll cross if we don't do this in ten, twenty years? Do you believe in those kind of? You know, we'll hit a point where there's no coming back if we don't attack this soon. That's actually two different questions because we won't be able to come back. But that's true for a lot of things. You know, if you place a new airport somewhere, you can't really unplace that. If right. You, if you cut down forest, you can't really re- recreate that forest for a very long time. So there's a lot of things that we do that are irreversible, as they as they call it. And certainly the fact that 15 million people die each year、uh, from easily curable infectious diseases—that's pretty irreversible for those people. Right. So there's lots of decisions that we. 
make that we can't undo. And that's true for global warming as well. Now, is there a scary point that we're going to cross in 10, 15, 20 years? No. That's not what the UN Climate Panel, the, you know, the best authority, is telling us. Now, we cannot exclude that in the far future there are such uh, uh, tipping points. And that's one of the reasons why we, in the film, also talk about another way to tackle this, which is geoengineering. Essentially having an opportunity to, if you, we need to, very quickly change the thermostat, if you will, of the planet. That's not something we should do lightly, and it's not something we should just say, oh, then we got that, like, then, you know, not worry about anything else. But it is a technology I think we ought to be investing in for research and development for two reasons, partly to find out if we can do it, and also if there's scary side consequences of doing that. One of the, the great examples we have is uh, cl cloud whitening. Essentially, mm -hmm. we can, with uh, using uh, amplifying a very natural mechanism, having sea salt in the lower atmosphere, uh, we could, over the mid-Pacific, for instance, make clouds slightly whiter because we'd have more small drops of water. That makes them whiter. You know how mm -hmm. clouds are very dark if they're, if they're really big drops just waiting to, to fall on you. If we could make them slightly whiter, that would reflect more sunlight and cool the planet. And actually turns out that for about $6 billion in total, we could, uh, we could get rid of all the extra temperature rise in this century for the world. So it's potentially an incredibly cheap way to deal with global warming. Now, I'm not advocating we should do this right now, but we should certainly look into it. And so there are other ways that we can look at these problems and say, this is a way to buy ourselves an insurance policy. A lot of politicians typically say, no, 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 the way to do this is to do the Al Gore way, you know, promise these grand carbon cuts. But remember, promises don't actually give you any insurance. Yeah. They just simply give you hot air, if you will. And cutting, it just doesn't seem like it plays to the human condition. It's almost like... If, you know, when a person goes on a, on a diet, no, I'm not going to eat, they will eventually just explode and start eating. You have to replace, yeah. you know, fattening foods with better, healthier foods. And at some point, what we see now in that movement is suddenly these places, they go, oh, people want it. And these supermarkets are popping up all over the world because people want that. Yeah. People and, have to and want it. It's a, it's a great metaphor, actually, because if you, if you look at what we're, what we're trying to do right now, it's exactly like uh, dieting. Uh, there's a great program on, on the, uh, on the uh, BBC top uh, uh, news show uh, in, uh, in Britain where they asked one of their reporters to be ethical man for a year. He was basically going to cut his carbon mm. emissions for him and his family. And you know, it turned out to be pretty hard, but they did a lot of really, really tough choices. They insulated their homes, which is actually a smart thing to do. They sold their car, which, of course, gave them a lot of problems. They, uh, they didn't fly anywhere. They didn't go any uh, holidays abroad. They, you know, there are lots of things that they did that were actually pretty you know, uh, invasive. By the end of the year, he had managed to cut his carbon emissions by 20%. Yeah, not all that much. And if everyone in Britain had done that for the whole year, they would have postponed global warming by about half a second in the end of the century. So, yeah, that's a lot of effort to do very, very little right. good. 
But the real trick, and that's where you come in with the with the uh, if you if you diet, then you end up uh, indulging. Then they asked him, uh, so what are you going to do now? You're done with being ethical men. And he was being very honest. He said, well, I've already bought tickets for the whole family for Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, of course, blowing his entire savings for that whole year. Uh, and and so you're absolutely right. This is not about a moralistic you shall do with less because eventually people, you know, they'll cut a little and then they'll say, oh, now I can afford to take. I mean, I deserve it or whatever. I deserve it. This is not about these short-term solutions. This is about making technology possible so that you can have all those great things but not emit CO2. Uh, cool It is the movie, and it was interesting. I saw it with a bunch of people. Everybody was talking about it as we were coming out of there. And the one thing that I've, I think that anyone listening has to remember is that just by your vote or your sensibility, you can change what corporations will do and what politicians will do. Absolutely. Because they want to get reelected and they want people to buy their products. Yeah. It's amazing when you just think about it on that level that if you say this is what we want, a corporation will say, good, we're going to have that for you. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was great meeting you and it's very, very interesting work that you're Thank doing. Thank you now. very much. I appreciate T- it. Take care. You're listening to the Ron and Fez Show on the virus. Series 197, XM202. Hit me again with another one of them rocks. What the fuck's that? I split a lucky crack pipe. You crazy motherfucker. You don't have a lucky crack pipe? No, I don't have a lucky motherfucking crack pipe. Then, Donald, you gotta take a hit off of mine. Why I gotta do that? Because it's lucky. Oh, yeah. It's the Ron and Fez show. Good news here. There it is. That's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, Our Lily is back with us. Hey, darling. Hello. You look fantastic. Thank you. Well rested, tan, but on the beach, enjoying life. That's the uh, uh, perks of unemployment. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) How long have you been off the air now? Probably like three months. Three months. Yeah. It's getting a little crazy. At first it was like... Oh, this is nice. This is a nice break. Nice I haven't breather. not worked since I was like 14. Now I'm going a little crazy. But you're finally getting to sleep in. How did you like doing morning radio when you did it? To be honest with you, uh, morning radio is a brutal lifestyle. It's awful. It's a really brutal lifestyle. I would wake up sick every morning because I just wasn't sleeping enough. You shouldn't be up at 4 o'clock in the morning unless you haven't been to bed yet. It's just, you know. It is insane. And then people get into, well, I'll take a nap right after. And then that doesn't really help you. Well, because you fall out for a few hours, mm-hmm. and then you wake up at 10 o'clock at night, and you're like, oh, God, now I'm screwed. You've screwed up your whole night. Yeah, the know? whole thing is thrown off, and you would be surprised how many times that like pe- regular people go want come over, and it's like 9 o'clock at night, and you're like, that's the middle of the night. You're yeah, insane. Constantly being out to dinner, looking at your phone, like, okay, if I get home now, I'll get approximately <laughs> 6 hours it's and 45 terrible. minutes of sleep, you know? I used to come, uh, I would be just driving as fast as I could. I'd hear the intro of my show my hair would be wet and i was just spitting into the thing <laughs> every single day yeah. there wasn't a day that uh, that it wasn't a hassle always yeah uh, and none of the sleep they say is good for you until you know all the REM sleep happens after five o'clock in the morning right yeah oh, it's terrible so yeah without REM sleep you go crazy so yeah. morning radio people are nuts people are nuts and that's why you always hear them melting down and whatever they do because everybody 
hits a wall. And, of course, the bosses never understand it. They never get it. And they're like, now you got your whole day ahead of you. No, yeah. I don't, because I'm tired and angry. Or they'll say, how about just a little bit more energy? Oh, Six Jesus. o'clock in the morning. I don't have the energy until maybe nine o'clock in the, mor- in the morning, you know? See, I never had the kind of career where anyone felt safe enough to give me notes. Yeah. They would just always say, hey, everything's going great, huh? No matter what, because I was just, even now, what are they going to say? Right. Um, and honestly, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but I'm saving the world through some kind of a green movement or a new technology where i'm going to be bombing clouds white i don't know what i'm doing exactly me and a guy from denmark me and a a guy from denmark are doing all kinds of shit right now um so how you been spending your time um just doing a little bit of traveling i Mm. I spent like three weeks out west i was in san francisco and northern california i did a little austin trip for austin city limits ah see i got an austin boy with the show but he's not here today yeah he grew up in that area and he just loves it oh yeah rustin yeah he loves it cute rustin i've i've not i've yet like a very charming new york city evening yeah yeah. and earl uh passed you off as his girlfriend that night and we believed it yeah a little weird yeah you know because at the time i didn't know it because you know, I was his friend, and I thought he was introducing me as his friend, you know. Well, he carried your photo around to show <laughs> us, too. And uh, Yeah, he had the photo of you in the little hat. Right. You uh, still hanging out with Earl and Franklin? Yeah. I just saw Franklin yesterday. I'll probably see Earl sometime in the next week or so. What was Franklin doing? Getting weed? <laughs> <laughs> we were just hanging You guys out. love the herb. Well, it's I bet good. if you it's stopped good. smoking pot, you'd have nothing in common with Franklin. I don't know. I mean, that's... I think that with a lot of my friends, actually, because there's a lot of friendships that are just solely oh, yeah. based within, you know, the marijuana world. Because mm. you, yeah, I think all my friends would be like that. The, the the stronger and more expensive the the dope, the more you're willing to put up with people. Yes, because it's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I had a methadone con- connection with a guy who was the head of the KKK of this town, and I would just be like, "So tell me more. What are you guys working on now? <laughs> Seriously." All right. Yeah, 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 I know. Sounds I know. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how he got off of it and he could sell it. Uh, but it is good to see you. And is there a man in your life? Um, well, it's right now we're in this weird transition between lovers and friends. And it's just awkward. Oh, like most relationships God. always are. You're it's never going to find anyone. Thank you. That's encouraging. You're never going to find anyone. It might be your personality. I don't know. <laughs> what are you looking for? Um, well, I've been told that I look for men that I can fix. And that's You want a broken problem. bird. You want a broken yeah. bird. So I think there's some truth to that. But I think a lot of women do. We're naturally nurturers, you know. So you don't want the perfect guy. You want the imperfect guy to make him perfect. I think so. And then have you ever been able to fix anyone? No. I can't fix myself. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm, you know, wrestling with right now. So what is the broken thing? What is the, what, what is, is there something that goes along? Each of them lacks what? Um, being a man. I don't know. I mean, uh, so they're, they're all slightly they're boyish, immature. Yeah, they're immature. They're definitely not ready to be. Low self-esteem are we talking about? They don't believe in themselves and you're like, no, you are good. Some of them may have had that, but that wasn't, you know. This guy. Yeah. He's too much self-esteem. <laughs> he might be. Yeah, All right. So he lives in his own fucking crazy Musician, world. Yeah. But we're just, you know, maybe not compatible in that sense. And that's okay. And it was a mature breakup, which is something that I never really have. 
Oh, finally. Yeah. You had a mature. So you're evolving. Yes, I think so. But so you're the reason that a lot of guys out there, the I call them lonely guys, mm-hmm. they end up hating women because they're like, I'm nice and you won't go out with me, but you'll go out with your broken guy and think that he's good and, and it all works out bad. We all want bad people. Guys want bad girls. You always see guys with a girl who's very, very mean to them. We all want people who sort of put us down because then it makes us want to try a little bit harder to impress them. Yeah, maybe I can't, that's just me. I can't relate to that even okay. slightly. I can't even slightly relate to... But so- no, because there's a lot of people who say women only want the bad boys. But I think that men secretly want women who are slightly mean to them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been Sounds super, awful. super nice to guys. Like, I will do everything for a girl. Cook oh. for you, I'll clean for you, whatever you want. You know, almost to a default. And uh-huh. they're like, I don't really see there being a future here. I'm like... So then, I'm everything that you should build a future with. Then you know? if you act like an asshole, they love you. That's what I think. Mm. Well, I do think that we uh, we want what we can't have right. more. Right. Like, I think the most attractive a woman ever looks to you is when she's left you and she's with some other guy and they're happy and they're pushing a kid. And then Awful you're like, feeling, right? Yeah, she's perfect. What, what happened there? Yeah. Uh, but you know these things and yet you keep making the same mistakes over and over. Yeah. But no, this is it. This is, you know, now I'm breaking the cycle. Are you? And then yeah. there's going to be a perfect guy out for you? Perfectly imperfect. I know a, a guy from uh, Denmark. He's going to fix the world. He was just in here, but I believe he's openly gay. Oh, so. Okay. But how do you really come first when he's got the world to save, you know? I thought, oh, I thought girls always get to come first. That's, <laughs> that's the way I was raised. Like a um, gentleman. Here is uh, some folks who want to talk to you. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Our good friend Lily's in here. She's been away from a mic for three months, yeah. which is frightening to somebody who's had that time. Yeah. It's the addiction that they take away from you. Here's Drew in Jersey. You're on Ron Fez. Ronnie B. Fez, you what's up? Yeah. Um, Lily's insane. No guy wants a girl that's an asshole. Definitely the hunt is a good thing. Like, you got a girl who's pushing you away. But if you got a girlfriend, you don't want her to be an asshole at all. Or you're getting rid of her. How many guys do you know who's like, my girl's driving me crazy. My girl's effing driving me crazy. Every single guy has got a girl who's driving them absolutely insane. But see, here's the thing. I think a lot of guys and people I know, they, they try to marry their mommy. And then they like to do things that she's not aware of, and then they get in trouble, and then they can get with their friends and say she's a real bitch, but I'm drinking now, and she doesn't know it. And they love this thing that I think takes them back almost to the womb. It's right. it's a womb thing. So who are we blaming, moms, for not, or dads, the lack of dads? No father figure there? No well, I think you've got to blame each person for for refusing to grow up. Right. You know? And then women like me who kind of tolerate it in relationships. I don't know where you fit into this because you seem to be as broken as anyone. I mean, you have got this now long list of people that you not only did it not work out, but you've had no effect on their life whatsoever. (laughs) They end up at the same place they were when they started dating you. Oh, God, it's awful. Fez, don't you feel better today? 
listening to this. Yeah, well, I'm, I like the fact that you ha- are having a more mature breakup because I've seen you march back and forth with protest signs oh, in sure. front of a guy. Yeah, like my team or his team, like Team Lily or Team... You, you yeah, you used to say, how could you be nice to that person? <laughs> yeah. Because something I'm like, I don't even know what happened there. Yeah. Um, but you, this is the first guy that you didn't date that, you know, was in the same swimming pool as you, right? You, yeah, I mean, there's been a couple since I've moved away. You know, just a couple, but um, yeah, it's so much healthier. You stopped dating people that you have to work next to, because I remember yes. the first one, it was just insane with you. Yeah, I was like a three-time offender of that maybe four what's the <laughs> what's the worst that you could do in that is it three is it four yeah i think three is like okay now you're you're really asking for it and then four is just insanity um here is uh ryan ryan in kc you're on my face hey i uh i have to totally disagree with you miss um a guy who has a woman drive him crazy could be for several reasons no guy wants a girl to treat him like shit i don't think so I mean, either no- Nobody wants it. But then why do women love it? That's a totally different question. But from a guy's perspective, I mean, a girl can drive you crazy just because she has a different view on something. Uh, Not because she treats you like shit. I mean, I'm sorry, but you're way off base because any guy that gets treated like shit, like even in public, you're going to leave that girl quickly, real quick. And no one wants to be treated like shit. I don't know. I, maybe I know a lot of people in dysfunctional relationships, and that's my problem. Uh, but. And, and you think most of the guy friends you have, they get treated by like shit from their chicks? Um, yeah, well, there's definitely arguments, yeah. Like, in public and stuff, sure. I hate that kind of stuff. Yeah. I hate just taking it to the streets, as you like it to put it. It is slightly embarrassing. No, I don't. I'm not into fighting in public right. or anything like that, you know. Well, but. let's go back to the nice guy thing. Do you yeah. ever date nice guys? Yes, I do. I've only seen you with creeps. I didn't only date that. <laughs> oh man, this is so depressing. Um, no, I my the last guy that I dated, I would definitely classify as a nice guy. He was a musician, but he was a nice guy. I, I know, but was, you've uh, you watched almost famous. Mm-hmm. The second the van pulls away, some other girl's wearing the t-shirt. What was that roller skating movie? It all ends the same when you can't blame the guy. He's on the road, right? He's taking care of business, as Bachman Turner Overdrive uh, put, uh, puts it. All right, this is a um, this is a strange one here. Here's ten. Tim from Texarkana wants to uh, out you. He says, "Go ahead, Tim. Tim, we got you." Tim. Hmm. God damn it! I wanted to hear that. What was it? Um. Here is. Uh, I'm hoping he calls back. Oh. Here's Ron in California. Yeah. Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah. Really, I don't understand your, um, what you use to, you say, I'm going to classify a certain person. You don't classify somebody. You treat people like they're a game. You try to get over on people. How are you going to be an honest person? Now, how does she treat them like, how does she treat them like it's a game? Like, uh, she always wants to be either better than them. She cannot just say, hey, let's be equal. She always has to try to get over a little bit. How's that, though? It's not, it's not attractive. What is she yeah. doing that's getting her over? Well, it just seems like she puts uh, herself before the other person. Um, I actually, I was just saying that I don't do that. I actually do the yeah. opposite of that, that I do all the cooking and cleaning, and I want to, like, nurture these guys. So I'm saying I do the opposite of it, and it seems that guys don't want that. To me, it seems that they might want somebody who does a little bit less for them. Let you me just point this out. When you're saying you do the cooking, not everyone wants to sit around and eat Albanian food. 
You've got to cook some American <laughs> foods here. That is mean to a guy. Um, let's go over here to um, Bill. Bill, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie, thanks for letting me on. Hey, the only reason why men even talk to women is because they got pussies. If they didn't have a pussy, men would never even talk to a woman anyway. Okay. That sounds to me, uh, Bill, I hate to say this, it sounds a little like you're on the borderline gay thing. No, absolutely not. I have not have I do not have a secret. Absolutely no secrets here. And yet you enjoy spending time with men more than women. Uh, yeah, hunting and fishing and stuff. No, I didn't say more than, but you know, if you don't have to wake up in the there's morning, a there's yeah. a there's an, a a movie, an outdoors movie you would love. It's called Brokeback Mountain <laughs> because that's where that all ends up. <laughs> Me and my buddy have so much in common. Won't we just bang? Who the hell would want to speak to men when there's a woman around? It's an insane thought to me. What is a man going to talk about? Sports. What do you need to talk about? You know enough about sports by looking at it. It's yeah. right there in front of you. It's not difficult to figure out. Everything's already all been said about sports. You know. I'm starting to think you're not going to end up with anybody, <laughs> Lily. I really am. I honestly... I just turned 29 a couple weeks ago. Oh, jeez. Again? Yeah. So, a good almost joke, 30. <laughs> almost 30. He's a sniper today. He's in his catbird seat because you're not focusing on him. And he's going to just keep picking off your wings <laughs> one at a time. He loves it. Uh, all right, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. All right, I'm going to bring up a term to you that uh, I read the other day. It's called parataxic distortion. And this is when a person kind of meet somebody and they create an image of that person first so they fall in love with the image right when you first meet a person you fall in love with that image and then as time goes by you find out that the image isn't true and yet you're the person who did that anyway and i think that's what men and women do with each other right yeah. Now, there is some lying in the early stages and not i wouldn't say normal kind of lying but there is that thing of saying stuff that you will later regret, like, no, I would love to meet your family. You know what I mean? That stuff. No, I love Sunday dinners with your folks. It's great. All that stuff ends up becoming um, kind of bullshit after the way. But I do think that when you're saying you want to fix guys, you fall in love with this perfect image of what they're going to become, and then they can't do it. Yes, and then that's where I get angry because they fail to live up to the image. And I think that's what happens in most relationships, right? Well, most relationships that fail. Well, let's face it. Most people are kind of sick on this planet. You don't see, yeah. you know, we're not known as the cool planet. Right. We're known as the fucked up, hayseed, nut dragon planet. And I'm pretty sure other planets, the reason why we haven't met aliens is because we're that guy. You know what I mean? That fucking guy no one wants to hang out with in school. The way we act, we're not going to attract any other aliens to us. Yeah, we're at the awkward lunch table. Yeah. If anything, they're going to come in, probably just slap our stuff out of our hand, and then laugh at us. <laughs> or suck us up into things through, th through vacuum cleaners, because I saw that trailer. But you know that you do these things. Yeah. You take full responsibility that you picked the wrong guy. Yes, I do. And what? I'm finally becoming aware of that, so I'm going to try to change that. Or I'm just going to be single for a really long time. Why don't you pick a regular guy, just a regular Joe once, not with some kind of artistic yeah, ambitions? Yeah, I dated some of them. They're so boring. They're dull. 
They're so boring. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry, regular Joes out there. So You're the great, right, but I, you know what I mean? Like I, it's really hard for me to like what I do for a living or what mm-hmm. I did for a living. It's really hard for a regular guy to kind of understand that. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, this kind of. You're, you talk about too much. You know, it's hard for people to understand it. Oh, so you'll go, you in, know? You'll go into your radio show and talk about yes, penis I'm size and sure. uh, how many times they have sex with you. Yeah, that's too much. Uh, all right, here's Moses. Louisiana wants to talk to you, Lily. Hey, Ronnie B. What's happening, babe? Yeah. want to see if uh, Lily wants to come down here to Louisiana and see my raccoon. <laughs> uh, now, what is it about you, Moses? Why would Lily like you? I'm a, a little Cajun boy down here in Louisiana. We like to, we like to eat, a, eat the new uh, Albanian food gumbo. You know what I mean. <laughs> Cajun I don't, I don't work for you at all. You want a swamp rat? You know, Cajun's kind of the one cuisine that I'm not really... It's, it's burnt. Not, it's burnt food. One of the few that I'm kind of not into. Yeah. Just, you know what? Maybe this food would be great if you weren't if, if you stayed paid attention to it. It <laughs> seems like you've walked away from the grill. It's burnt all over the place. No, that's char. They love it. They yeah. love it charred. All right, Eddie's got an uh, opinion on your life and wants to change you. Go ahead, Eddie. Hey, Lily. It sounds like you're you looking for the type of relationship you cook for the man, clean the house, pretty much stay at home, or you want to work and take care of the man when y'all get home. What are you looking for, sweetie? I'm looking for a lot. I don't want to be a stay-at-home wife, but I can be a stay-at-home wife. Like, I can do all the duties of a wife, but I want to work, you know? I just want a little bit of everything. If I got a woman there, if, if, if I wasn't a married man, uh, I'd come up here to New York to see you. And that last caller, that Louisiana guy, he gives all us other Louisianans a bad name. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. All right, peace. You know, I always think my life's in a really good place until I come here and then I hear these callers and I'm like, I don't know, how did I stoop so low in my life? You feel like you I stoop? I can't make it work. You, you, know? you feel like, um, sometimes you feel like Mary Tyler Moore and other times you just feel like that girl is never going to find happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if I don't know what we need for you. I know that that you like these flashy guys, though. I don't think I need. I don't think the answer is going to be a guy. I think Girl. This, <laughs> is it pussy possibly, time for Lily? It could possibly be. And you've yeah. never been with a girl before, right? Um, other than the the time that me and Baby Girl made out on the show. How did you like that? Was that I fun enjoyed for you? it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. We actually. Oh, God, she might kill me for saying this. But we actually talked about it recently. And I said, you know, I always wanted to tell you that I thought you were a really, really good kisser, you know? And she was like, oh, my God. Oh, God, she might kill me for this. But she told me that okay. she actually had, like, a sexual dream about me after that. Like, and it made me feel so good. I don't know why hearing that from a woman mm-hmm. made me feel, more like, more sexy and attractive than I'd ever felt in my entire life. So maybe that's been your problem. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe baby girl is the one for you. So did she say what the sexual dream was? Um, I can't really remember something. I think. <laughs> I think it, I was dominating her sexually. In some oh, way. Like, my God. I may have snuck into her bedroom or something and, and woken her up. And oh, my her. God. <laughs> I, this story is fantastic. And I feel like I've helped so much yeah. by putting that together. Now, the weird thing is, before you guys would kiss... Earl and Dave had to kiss, right? And then it was um, Pitsy and Dave, too. Right. Now, Pitsy has sexual dreams about Dave. <laughs> that has come up before. Uh, Pitsy's married now. Yeah, yeah. I heard that. Uh, had uh, seven different stations, uh, one of them all mashed potato. He was very happy. He is one of these people uh, that is just was 
focused on his wedding for years, like yeah. a girl. Um, in 2007, he was like, we booked the date, October 2010. We're Could like, you believe how crazy he was with that? And they, he was like living in the basement or whatever. Of her parents' house. Yeah, so you're like, you're wasting all your time. Right. But these people are crazy about it. They're crazy about weddings. And you're like, why are you doing this to yourself? Um, I, this is Tim. He's called back. He wants to out you. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, no. Yeah, what's up, Fez? Big dog. Fez in the room? Yeah, he's right here. Right here, Tim. Uh, all right. There you go. Anyways, I was, uh, you know, redneck, big city. I was up there visiting New York. You know, went to the XM Studios, the old studio, like on 56th Street or whatever. I was standing there up against the wall, and there comes this nice, you know, fairly tall, slender lady. Her name was Lily. She uh, was just standing there. She was, like, in a crowd. She put her ass right up to my crotch and said, oh, you better watch out where you put that thing. <laughs> you that remember this at all? That doesn't sound like anything I would ever even do. It's Have not you charming. Had... It's not cute. It's just skanky. I would never do that. <laughs> he described you perfectly. <laughs> now, so, Tim, you're saying she did it on purpose? Yeah, I was standing there like up against the wall. It was kind of a crowded day, and she stood in front of me for a minute. She she turned around, looked at me. I, you know, I kind of like smiled at her. You know, we kind of had a little thing there, and she just you know <laughs> put her ass back. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. I mean... Whoa, this is a whole new Lily. <laughs> yeah, she just kind of tucked it back a little. I was like, yeah, I was, you know, I just but you know I already had connections in New York for the weekend, so. Too bad for all of us, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Or else we'd be there, having, maybe. yeah, we'd be having two weddings right now. You don't remember smiling this guy and then rubbing your ass against his crotch? I would never do something like that, Ron. Ever. <laughs> um, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey there, Ronnie B. Yeah. Um, I, I got a, I got a question for Chris Stanley. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, does Lily look? The same hot piece of ass that she was when she left, or is she old and haggardly now? She doesn't look too haggard. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Do uh, wow, what a compliment to get from uh, our version of Tim Gunn. Um, you don't look too haggard. You know, Hicks would have been perfect for you. Yeah, he's got the long hair. I love he's, it. He's got the long hair. Uh, he doesn't fix the window of his house, so I know you like an open breeze in the middle of the night. <laughs> He's definitely got issues I can help him with. What you know? issues would you say that he has? Where do we start? Because um, I have no interest in men, so it's always surprising to me. Well, he seems a little... Hell-bent on self-destruction? Yeah. Yeah, very self-destructive. Yeah. For sure. Doesn't... And he seemed like he cares about his hygiene as much as he maybe should. And women love that. <laughs> women are just crazy about that pig pen thing. It's that now, see. Oh, I'm well put together. I don't know what the hell y'all is fucking talking about. No, but Did it you works, y'all. It works. See, the hair, it just kind of like, it makes Looks damn women, good, I know, right? Yeah, no, it makes women kind of think that he's this guy who just sort of just throws caution to the wind and, I you say, know, and he's free and he's like a wild man, you yeah. know? You want to follow that man anywhere, you know? That's always the thing. They like the... And there's another friend of ours, uh, very attractive, showed interest in Chris Stanley. And he had no... He was like, don't even start. He didn't even want to hear about it. Yeah. Because he's got his... Uh, I guess him and this girl kind of see each other. Just occasionally. We're very much in love together for four years, and she oh fucking God. makes my entire world. She's years. all that matters to me. And how you live in the same neighborhood, how often do you see her? 
About three times a week. About three times a week. I'm very tired. Yeah, I know. You're exhausted. And see, that keeps her. That keeps her hanging on. Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Would you say that dating a musician. when you look at him, he just seemed like he's amazing in bed, Chris Stanley? Like, there's just so much there. Lay the fucking hammer down. <laughs> All right. Well, he's got He'll the aggression. Fuck with me. The anger fuck. He's definitely got the aggression, which works. For He'll some fuck women. you like you stole from him. <laughs> That's Chris Stanley. Fez still isn't dating. Oh. No, not yet. Well, we cannot date together then. Fez, do you ever uh, do any kind of fun stuff? Well, Maybe I, you and Lily could do? Um, let's see. I go to the sports bar on Sunday if you want to go. Would she be allowed into that sports bar? I think I could get her in. All right, hold nice. on. Oscar wants to out you. Oscar from Texas. What what happened, Oscar? I know you came up to visit us before. What happened that day? That's right, Ronnie B. I brought you that box of cigars I got in the studio. Oh, I remember Same that. thing. Yep. And uh, it's, it's, it's about time Lily's been outed on this because I had to go to a few... Uh, meetings afterwards, but I was in the hallway, and she was started making cat calls at me and whistling. She grabbed me, Ronnie. She grabbed my crotch. Do you know and, this uh, is one of the things that we were glad to get rid of, Lily, because <laughs> so many of our listeners had the same problem, particularly our southern listeners. That's right. That's something about them southern gnomes she likes. <laughs> yeah, the southern hospitality just drives me crazy. I just have to rub my ass on. All the guys. I'm starting to worry about you, Lily. Here you are. You're on the beach. Mm -hmm. uh, the relationship is broken up. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the next plan for you? Um, well, I'm trying to just get a new gig, focus mm -hmm. on that, get my creative juices flowing again, and uh, see what happens then. I came up with an idea years ago. You guys pushed it away, and that's you and Davey Mack, Eastside Dave and Lily, uh, kind of a country mouse, city mouse. I'd, he I'd, said, she said. I would love it. Yeah. It's just weird to be here and not have Dave here because I've always right. been on the show with Dave here, you know. So it's it's kind of weird today. But. He'd already be screaming at you right yeah. now that you're a fucking liar. And a you don't whore. know your shit, and it's Cock it's that whore talk. Whore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then later he would drink and and forget everything that ever and happened. And he'd say, "I love it. I love you." you he know? seems to be into sports talk now. I don't know whether you know that he's running a, a a new fantastic thing. Is I think it's on Apple. Can you get it? Apple iTunes, and it's the Eastside Dave show, and it's great. I listen to it, and I'm like, man, does he know sports? But he's lacking something, and I think it's that female voice. Everybody likes that on-the-field reporter now mm -hmm. in a sports show. That should be you with him. I can do sports. You love sports. sports. Yeah. Didn't you, uh, wasn't there something between you and the Buffalo quarterback <laughs> for a couple of minutes, and then you ruined his life? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean... I'm not. I'm not a winner in love. Let's just say, I'm never. Not a winner in love. Never. No. So musicians are bad. Uh, athletes are bad. Um, who else? Accountants were never really that good, and firefighters were never really that good. I've done a lot of professions. Wow. Yeah. How many are we talking now? How many is on the Lily list? Um, I can count on one hand, but on one hand? Yeah. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. It is. Five? Oh, no, I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have my two hands. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. So <laughs> on ten. On both my hands, yes. I, well, I can count on, you know, whatever you want to say. Fez, do, do you think uh, that keeps her, you know, still a good girl, or once you get off of one hand? I think once you go into double digits, All right. yeah. All right, so it's ten. So now I'm done. Right, so it's yeah. not yeah, the done. second hand, it's when you're done hands. Exactly. 
When you're out of fingers. When you start working on your toes, then that's when you're like... Do we have Albanian nuns? Perhaps you could get the to a nunnery. Mother Teresa. Uh, I hate to out you again like this, Lily, but another caller. <sighs> Here's the Run of Fez show. Oh, hey, guys. I was... Uh... Oh, no. Oh, no. Must have been one of those days. Uh, I'm, let's go through the professions again, because I want to oh, see geez. if I can find something. I can't remember. Not all so, of them had professions, so uh, that was Athlete. <laughs> athlete. Uh, artist, right? Yeah. I'll put this one down just as entertainer. Sure. So there's an entertainer. Thank you. Uh, a drummer. Mm-hmm. The artist was also a musician as well. Aren't they that. are? <laughs> yeah. They're all failed yeah. musicians these artists and then finally like i'll just paint <laughs> yeah. uh what else are we looking at here you had um, a fireman yeah you could put together a calendar there was or a, a colander a <laughs> couple of board a board op i guess we could call him that oh i don't know what he's doing now but you know i ran into him a few months back he wanted to replace his side dave and he came in and did a thing here oh yeah yeah well, that's good for him a uh, great guy yeah. Hasn't changed a lick. Yeah, exactly. I board up. I can't think of any others. Never a waiter or a chef on there at the dad's thing when you were younger? God, no. At your dad's I restaurant? Never would have dated anybody at the restaurant. Mm. Never. Did they all try? Ne no, they were too scared of my dad. See, that's the thing with you. You've got that frightening dad that you want to find a guy who can command that, that respect, yeah. and you're not going to find that, are you? No. I'm never going to find a guy who I can bring home to my dad that, like, my dad would be like, this is a suitable man for you. Because you, my dad's so wonderful in my eyes. My uh -huh. dad is all man, you know? So. So your dad is so imposing. You, you, not one of these guys have you brought home. No. God, no. Could, would you? Would you? <laughs> I don't think many of them would. Um, what, go meet your dad or? Yeah. <sighs> Well, your dad, of course, like we said, he's the Albanian strong man. He's got away, and then he, he adores you. Yes. You and your dad would actually travel together. I remember that. Uh, yeah. We've been uh, to France. We've been to Japan. Just the two of you. Mm-hmm. That's really unusual. They all thought I was his mistress. It's really funny. Um, is that right? Yeah, it was really funny. Maybe that's because you guys were making out. <laughs> uh, here's Frank in New York. Yeah, well, and she's beginning a black producer. Oh, yeah, you were with a black producer. Nuts. What about a biker for you? Just a biker? real hellraiser, yeah. Oh, like a BMX biker? Like a motorcycle ride? No, like, like a Harley biker, like okay. a true biker. Like a guy who's just out there on that open road, you're on the back, you're riding sissy, your legs are up, yay, born to be wild. Mm, I don't know. Um, here, no, I don't think that. I don't think I would like a guy like that. How do, what's going on with your movie that you're in? Oh, okay. So I don't know when it's coming out or anything, but uh -huh. I know that G-Baby, Jermaine, how did we say his last name? Lucier. Lucier. Um, he actually did go to a screening in Los Angeles and saw the movie and said it was pretty good. And he saw my scenes. I've got two large close-ups and about three lines in the movie. Right, so. I need G-Baby on the phone immediately. Yeah. I, what is wrong with him that he wouldn't give me the spy report? It's really uh, disturbing me. Spy report. Spy report. I push him. I push slash films. I do everything I can for G-Baby. And only to find out that he's got this little nugget of gold that he saw. And he doesn't let us know about it. 
Uh, here's uh, Colonel Georgia. You're on fest. Hey, is that the same Lloyd that I met a couple years ago when you guys had that Veterans Day special? Mm-hmm. I was on the elevator, and uh, we were going down. It was just me and Lily, and um, she had this little skirt on, and she reaches down and presses the button for the bottom floor, bends over, and no underwear. Is that the same one? Uh, Lily refuses to wear underwear. That's <laughs> her thing. And skirts. Yeah. I hate them. Um... By the way, go check out Unmasked Show. We've got a new Unmasked we're going to be uh, announcing today. There's going to be a cool one in December. So check out Unmasked Show on the Twitter. Uh, well, look who it is, Mr. Hollywood himself. It's G-Baby. G-Baby, how are you, pal? Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Fed, Lily. How are you guys? Hey, G-Baby. You saw this film, G-Baby. What's the name of it? Oh, uh, yeah. The movie's called Hamill. It had its uh, world premiere uh down the street at the AFI Fest, and I was able to check it out. Now, one thing about you, G-Baby, and I read everything that you write about film, and it's just fantastic. You always focus on whether or not an actress has it. And yes, we can't explain what it is. If we knew, G-Baby and I would open up a school and teach it. Cloris Leachman obviously has it. Does... (laughs) Does Lily have it, G-Baby? I would say this nicely, Ron. Okay. Um, maybe. Oh. <laughs> I never wanted to be an actor. Give me, you know, cut me some slack for that. Well, that's what I think oh. when I go to see a film. I go to this person in the movie. Do they even want to be there? Is this something they decided to do? To, um, be, to so be honest, you... there's not really a lot she could have done. I mean, she, she's... She's a teacher for a deaf kid, so you only half hear her voice because he's deaf. And I mean, she obviously looks great, but I mean, she's there for two seconds, and he go his, you know, that's the end of you know, two seconds of his life, you know. So, so you're, it's not a yes, but it's not a no. All right, so you're in the film for two seconds, but in that two seconds, G baby, did it feel like the film was lifted up a little bit? Oh, without a doubt, okay. I was very excited. Nice. I was very excited to see Lily on there for sure. Um, I felt it felt very nice for Mark Hamill that he had a you know high looking teacher. So good for him. Mark Hamill is that uh, Luke Matt. Skywalker? I'm in my Matt Hamill. <laughs> I'm like I he's a little <laughs> old to have a teacher, even if he is uh, deaf. Um, by the way, there's another movie I'm gonna go starring New Lily. Uh, it's called Saki Saki. Thank you, Mister. <laughs> and it's really good. It's really good. I made that up. She's a delightful young lady. I haven't seen her in years either. Yeah. I saw her at Franklin's movie premiere. That's- Franklin's got a new movie coming up, and you want to be in it, right? Um, well, I think he wants me to be in it. I don't, I don't think I can be an actor. I don't, I don't know if I have that gene. It's really hard. Uh-huh. Acting is really, really hard. I'm just putting that out there. Um, I don't think I can do it. What is so hard about it? Uh, focusing on every... Like, it's... Getting your lines right, you know, hitting the mark and don't look into the camera and do it the same exact way every single time. It's not spontaneous, uh, which let, is what. Let me help I, you because I did hard. see a clip of you. And maybe if you didn't have so much gum in your mouth, it might help. <laughs> I mean, just the big ball of gum, it's distracting, isn't it, G Baby? Yeah, a little much, a little much, for sure. Uh, G Baby, what's coming out this weekend? Anything big? Uh, well, there's two big movies, and I heard they both kind of suck. There's Skyline, uh, which I heard is beyond terrible, and then uh, Unstoppable, the uh, the train movie that you guys talked about, which I didn't hear many Wait, things about. Don't give anything away, but does the train get stopped, or is it Unstoppable? Um, I, I have no idea, but it, 
It's called Unstoppable, right? Maybe they yeah. all die at the end. Um, should I go see Due Date? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I haven't seen a I mean, movie in forever. No, it, if you haven't seen anything, it wouldn't be at the top of my list. Mm. No, I mean, right, what should I, I would see? go see 127 Hours before it. I would go see Fair Game before it. What's in Fair Game? I don't know if I heard about this. Fair Game is uh, Sean Penn and Naomi Watts. It's about uh, the CIA agent who got uh, outed. I haven't uh, even heard about this film. I'm going to go see it then, maybe. Oh, the Valerie Plame story. Valerie Perrine? She's fantastic. Uh, G-Baby, what's the newest uh, uh, article that you've written? Uh, Actually, uh, I just wrote an article about um, Christopher Nolan is apparently going to shoot the entire Dark Knight Rises without the Riddler, we knew, but in full IMAX. Um, Which has never, never been done before. Um, it's not 100% confirmed, but a bunch of people are saying it, so it probably will end up being confirmed. Fez, this has got me excited. You ready for this? Full IMAX? I won't go see it. There's no Riddler in it. I don't care how much IMAX. Uh, and Ron, also, uh, Hamill, the movie that Lily's in, actually won the Audience Award uh, nice. at the AFI Fest, um, yeah. which is a pretty prestigious award, and... Uh, I think that's definitely going to help it get some distribution. So I think it'll definitely get released sometime next year. It should. Now, Hamill, of course, it's about Dorothy Hamill and her chance of going to become a, a great ice skating champion. Uh, G-Baby, it's great to talk to you, buddy. All right, thanks. It's great to hear you guys. And uh, Lily, good luck with the job search. I know it sucks. Thanks, G-Baby. Such a good guy. Who's nicer than that G-Baby? Is there anyone? Not many people are nice. I know. Than I think he's coming back to New York soon. I want him booked on the Ron and Fez show. Um... I brought up uh, the next Unmasked that we're doing. Well, at least this, the first one we're giving out tickets to. Go to Unmasked Show. It's going to be Mark Marin. Mark Marin. That should be a lot of fun. And there's a lot of people for years been saying to me, do one with Mark Marin. You guys are going to go on great. And I go like this. Yeah. Get off my back. I'm trying to do these things one at a time. I definitely want to have him on there, though. So we're all looking forward to that. And that's why you need to follow Unmasked Show. Now, this... Uh, Saturday, Fez, there's an MS airing? This Saturday night on the Raw Dog, the Sirius XM comedy channels, it's the premiere of The Unmasked with Pat Cooper. Pat Cooper, that starts at 8 o'clock in the East, Saturday night on Raw Dog Comedy. And, you know, uh, Lily was kind of like one of the first producers on that show. Yeah, I think I was there for the, the birth of that show. Right, right there from the beginning, and you did it right up to one. Do you remember the last one that you were at? God, um... You know, Louis C.K. was pro- towards the end of it. That was a great one. Which I think was my favorite one. Ouch. Um, <laughs> that, that I've seen. I haven't seen the new one. No, I'm only saying so. that because I'm thinking of all the other people. Okay. Uh, but no, that was a brilliant one. Louis C.K. Was, was amazing. It was important for me because I remember watching that and hearing him talk about at age 26, he was head writer of the Conan O'Brien show. Right. And I was like, I'm 26. Right. I'm an intern. You know, I'm not really getting paid. So it was kind of like, wow, okay. But let Put me tell can I, can I tell you the difference between you and Louis C.K.? <laughs> yeah, I'm not that um, I'm comparing myself to him. Thank you. But here's one of the things. If he would have had three months off, he would have written three film scripts, a couple of TV pilots. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize what workhorses these guys yeah. and how driven. And, and it's even surprises me. Yeah. And uh, a guy like Louis C.K. has tossed away more work than most people do in their lifetime he's just decided oh i've written that and it's not and it just it's a constant thing with people right some of them go so far to obsessed 
There's a couple of them on there that have been obsessed. I don't see Louie that way, though, but completely dedicated. Now, uh, someone brought up to me yesterday, all you got to do is network. I don't think that's going to do it, Fez. No, no. And uh, that came up from the Eddie Brill unmasked, and I don't think that's what Eddie Brill was saying. Uh, it is the Ron and Fez show. Our darling Lily is here with us again. She's 29 years old now. <laughs> Scary. Is it scary for you? You know, I'm not afraid of getting older. I think with age comes wisdom, and I'm actually looking forward to that. Well, you'd so. have to have some knowledge first before you get to the wisdom. You just can't be going out with drummers okay. and, you know, hanging out in San Francisco yeah. looking for loose joints. How are you going to give wisdom, you and Franklin, hanging out? Going like this. No, I got a guy. Don't worry. He's coming. Well, speaking of writing, there's a lot of writing going on. So You're helping uh, Franklin with the writing? Or Franklin's helping me with writing. Yeah. Franklin is uh, writing on uh, a, a script, and it's called Me Love Love. And it's something, it's just grunting mainly, uh, but it's going to be um, it's going to be a good one, I think. Uh, Franklin's always pitching. He really is. Mm-hmm. Um Here's a Michael, St. Louis, Sherman Fez. Yeah, Lily, uh, what happened to your gig? I never even heard that you uh, got you, you were fired or quit or what, what? What happened? Um, I'm on a little bit of a sabbatical right now from work. Um, no, actually, I I definitely was fired. I think I can say that without getting you in were trouble. fired. Yeah, I definitely was fired. Uh, it was for a financial reason. Um, so you weren't earn, earning your money. Was that the financial reason? Or the show was just costing too much, and so oh, it was I like, oh, let's can the check, you know? Well, that's what happens uh, these days in, in this economy. Yeah. But it's also a big part of what happens in radio, and you got a great experience there mm-hmm. working with those guys. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, is everybody else still with the show? I believe maybe a producer left, and there's some there's a lot of moving and shaking going on right now, yeah. so I'm actually happy to be away from it. Who is your best buddy that you made up there on Rochester? Um, probably, oh, who... Like on the show, yeah. or um, probably Jamie. Jamie's oh, so funny. God, he's so funny, so yeah. quick. He okay. is. Is he still enjoying radio though? Um, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a couple months, but I think that he might. He, I think he's better than just doing radio. I think you know he's an incredibly funny writer. So funny you think radio is just one of the things he's going to be doing? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I miss him stopping by here. I always thought he was a really, really, uh, really fun guy, really funny guy. It was a strange move for him to make because his career was going so well to just say, I want to settle down when he had a kid, right? Yeah, he was married and they were just expecting their baby. I think he's expecting a second child, too. And yeah, that ruins everything. Yeah. That ruins everything. Of course, it didn't stop Louis C.K. He still managed to do all this stuff. Um, here is uh, Mark. Philly, you're on my face. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Hey, Ron, I just have a quick question for you. I'm taking my wife to see uh, Long Story Short tomorrow with Colin Quinn. And she wants to go out for steaks. And I wanted to know if you had any recommendations in the area. Well, why do you want to go out for steaks when you can get steaks everywhere? I don't know. That's a good question. Ron, you, you bring that up a lot. And I have to be honest, anytime we would go out, my dad owns a restaurant, but anytime we would go out for dinner, it would nine times out of ten be a steakhouse. Why, though? I don't know. We were just a meat and potatoes type of family. And the know. and the weird thing is, though, but, well, the thing is, you can pretty much get steaks anywhere in the country. Yeah, and my dad could probably cook a better steak at home than most yeah. restaurants do. But it was, it was a night out. Like we liked going to Sparks. Like that was our our place. All right, Lily recommends Sparks to you. Sparks, huh? Uh, yeah, and that's where uh, who was the guy who got killed? There was a mob guy. Got Paul killed Castellano. There. Paul Castellano was killed there, and your dad used to like to get out and say, "Here's where it took place. <laughs> Look right here is the body felled." 
Um, if you want the ambiance of a real steakhouse, Sparks will give it to you. They, right. the, it's the you go there for the ambiance. I think a little bit more than the steak because I think Peter Lugos has better steak than Sparks. It's really interesting to see the bridge and tunnel crowd, though. I mean, no matter even though your dad uh, owns a restaurant, mm-hmm. I see that as a bridge and tunnel. What Sparks? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you for sure. But would you agree that it definitely has that old school vibe of the steakhouse and it's yeah, all but men in suits and yeah, they're all over the city though. And I'm just not only that. I don't even think I get the best steaks in a steakhouse. I think sometimes you get a better. Uh, I get a better steak at Bobby Flay's one night. Tell yeah. you the truth, than I uh, ever got a Sparks. And I don't want to hurt the people in Sparks, but the whole thing, it's a steak so thick, whatever. <laughs> it's a good it's a good piece of meat, but Peter Luger's, the way that they just like dry age their well, meat. Have so you had yummy. Wolfgang's yet? It, it's, it's a knockoff of it. Yeah, it is. Well, the, I guess they, the chef or mm-hmm. somebody who worked with them. But it's very good. But you don't have to cross a bridge to get to it. Yeah, but it's. No offense to the Brooklyn Bridge. But it's not that far. It's 110 years. Enough of that Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> I, I got a break here. You going to hang right. out with us a little bit today, uh, Lily? Yeah, I'm here for the rest of the time. Oh, that's good. Uh, Lily's sitting in with us, and Fez, you said you had something driving you crazy. You wanted to bring Lily in on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kathy Griffith um, has something to say about Charlie Sheen. She's thinking there's a double standard here between men and women. Mm. And then also, I think there's some audio that uh, Rob Cross sent us that he wants us to listen to. And it's about a bus down south somewhere, I think, Kentucky. So all that more after the jump. It's the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show. The virus. Serious. XM. Oh, and remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Lily sitting in here with us today. Hello. Always good to have her back. And Unmasked this weekend with Pat Cooper. That is this Saturday night on Raw Dog, starting at 8 p.m. in the East. Pat Cooper, Unmasked. Uh, and it is, of course, a show that's completely uncensored, yet he had to be censored 14 times, uh, mainly for dropping a name... That may or may have not gotten him sued. I. He actually said, I told this story in the book, and I didn't want to use the guy's name, but I have so much respect for you, I want to say it to you and your audience. And he kept saying the name as I could see his manager just freaking out in the back. So we said we'd bleep the name for them so he wouldn't get sued. But obviously, as Pat Cooper, it's hysterical. And of course, uh, coming up... In December, we just locked us in. What's the date, Fez? It is December 8th. December 8th. What time of day? And that is happening at 6 p.m. It's happening at 6 p.m. Mark Marin Unmasked. This is one of the names that we wanted to get for uh, some time, and it's going to be a very uh, cool Unmasked to do. And obviously, he's another one of those guys that you know he's going to be open to it. Uh, Fez, you had something for us. Yeah, Kathy Griffin is saying that with Charlie Sheen, she wants to know why Charlie Sheen still has a job. Because in her opinion, if a woman had pulled what Charlie Sheen pulled, she would have been off network television. She would have lost her job immediately. Well, you're going to be off network television if you have bad ratings. 
But when Roseanne was at the top of the rating seat, and she was for years, they put up with all the crazy shit that she had. And then when she wasn't, that was the end of it. Yeah. But I, I think celebrities can kind of get away with anything. And it doesn't matter. Well, you know what, what I mean? You know, what did the guy do that was so wrong? He destroyed a hotel room. Well, he said it. In the last couple of years, he's, what, held a knife to his wife's throat, right? In front of the kids and went to jail for beating her or something? I mean, but does I mean, that matter? has a laundry list in the last two years alone of things that he's done. But he didn't do that on his show. Right. And no. it hasn't taken his audience off. Right. Now, if his audience was offended and they'd stop watching the show, CBS would cut him off like there's no problem. The people showed back up. He's got a show. Yeah, I don't you're think it's absolutely all that right. If if Two and a Half Men is not in the top twenty, yeah, obviously they would probably cut him. Like Lindsay Lohan can't get a job. She can't get a job because she doesn't sell tickets. Exactly. She doesn't sell albums. She doesn't sell touring tickets, and she doesn't sell movies. She d- can sell magazines though, for whatever reason, because people want to hear bad stuff about yeah, her. Absolutely. But what I think as a society, we love the celebrities doing these crazy things, and then, you know, they're down on their luck, and then they'll come back. And the, they, they have we love the, we we love love the rise, like, yeah. Oh, we always knew that, you know, he would finally get his, his act together, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, that happens time and time again. But not only that, Charlie Sheen had said, I'll walk away from the show last year, and they gave him a two-year deal, $90 million. I mean, he's staying because they're paying him ridiculous money to do a shitty show. So why wouldn't he stay? And more people are now watching because of how crazy he is. I'm not one of those people, though. Me neither. <laughs> the ratings, I think, have gotten a boost since man. he's been. You know, they play some kind of weird thing and just says men or something. Every time they go to commercial, I find it just horrendous. Yeah. I watched the Cloris Leachman. Uh, I don't know the name of it. I'm going to guess Cloris's Gals is the name of it. Raising Hope. Whatever. In 1947. <laughs> Marlon Brando asked me to come see his raccoon. It was splendid. I was there. Kip Winger from Winger was there. I don't know if Kip Winger was there, but there were different people that were there. Right, let's listen to a little bit of the Two and a Half Men theme song. Take me away. I can't do it anymore. But it's not even two and a half men, right? I mean, the kid is super... Uh, he's huge now. Do you the want him to call the show huge. Three Men? Three Men. Three Men. <laughs> Three Men and No Babies. Um, but you really... Uh, oh, I would have uh, I would have loved to have the guy who complained about the Pat Cooper thing called back in. I want to hear what his beef is. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, get big ratings and, and they'll keep you. It's yeah. not personal with those suits. They don't sit around in CBS going, how can we manipulate society? They don't give a shit about anything but money. Yep. Nothing but money. Um, by the way, uh, Davy Mac's sports program is the, and it does have an explanation point, and that is the podcast that you could uh, go to. And... I want you to listen to it mm-hmm. and figure out where you fit in. Okay. I'm I really interested think... to enter the the wacky world of podcasts. Oh, God. <laughs> Does everybody have a podcast now? I don't. Uh, I, every one of our listeners has a podcast. Uh, here's uh, Mike. Mike, you're on Run Fez. How are you, buddy? No, yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah, when, I, when that whole thing went down, I thought, you know, if they did want to 
get rid of Charlie Sheen, which they obviously didn't. But if they did, I thought the coolest thing to do would have been to fire Charlie Sheen on the morals clause thing like they can do, and then bring in some other obscure ADs guy that, you know, is down on their luck, a guy like Christian Slater, and slip him into that role and don't even acknowledge that there's any kind of a change. And I think they probably would have gotten... Like even more heat just from the stupid stunt casting that they love to do on these shows. Uh, I disagree. If they knew, if it was that easy, see, they still, after all these years, don't know how to make a TV show that people watch. They get great people, they get great producers, blah blah blah, and then ninety nine percent of the times it's just shit, and they don't know what to do. So if they get anything that works, they just keep it there as long as possible. Please stay. Is all they say to anybody. And the person's like, well, I want to do movies. But we're going to give you a lot of money. So people end up staying. If if it was so easy to replace somebody and it worked, it's very, really hard to make these fucking TV shows. Uh, Bill, Knoxville, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I keep hearing you talk about uh, beeping somebody's name during the, uh, the next uh, Unmasked. Instead of beeping it, why don't you just put in... Fez Watley as the name. Well, it actually, the person acts quite a bit like Fez Watley. They were uh, a gambling uh, addict, so it could have been the Fez Watley story. All right, here's the piece that uh, Rob Cross wanted us to play. This is a Kentucky man said that uh, he sold his friends a lawnmower. It didn't work out, so they cut his beard and made him eat it. Uh, and we'll take a little listen to this. We're pretty good guys. My brother was cleaning out the stalls out there for Troy, you know, working for him. And uh, they uh, call, want me to come around there. Well, when I get there, I realize that they're already drunk. One thing led to another, and before I knowed it, there was knives and guns and everything just went haywire. They cut my beard and forced me to eat it. If we called the police, they said we would not live to see daylight. I believe in the law. I believe that justice has been served. And, you know, it will be after Tuesday. So, uh, like a sheep herder in some kind of cowboy movie, uh, they not only uh, beat up on him a little bit, they humiliated him by cutting his beard and forcing him to eat it. Um, And this is Kentucky, right? Yeah. Bizarre. We got a bizarre ass country. And all the guys that did it to him look just like him. Why why did they do this to him? Did I miss that part of him? They're all him? they they let him in there and they were all drunk and they had guns and knives and they they forced me to eat my own beard. Ugh. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, let me tell you something. I had a full beard and these bastards made me go down on it like it was a salad bar. I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, please, please look into your hearts and send these men away for two to three weekends. <laughs> this is how fucked up they are. Don't mess with a man's beard. It's facial hair. Well, but race. here's the thing. I mean, you say that the guy's not a young guy. It comes down to this. I'll kill you or eat your beard. Just fucking kill me. Because I don't want to live on a planet where I was forced to eat my own beard. <laughs> I'd rather you shot me down like a fucking dog. That's why I always keep a little food in mind in case I'm forced to eat it. I had no idea that was the plan. Yeah, it's not just sloppiness. It's saving for a rainy day. <laughs> uh, I think this is another uh, case of that gay bullying. You hear about the gay bullying. 
That's what they went through. What's his hat say? I can't even read it there. I think it's Southern a, style. Southern style. Well, that's Southern style for you, big man. Ate your beard. See my beard? Ain't it weird? Don't be scared. It's just a beard. Carlin? Anybody? Anybody? Carlin? Um, Lady Trucker wants to add in. Lady Trucker. Yeah, this is that same old hillbilly Hatfield and McCoy thing that's been going on for generations. Now, weren't you first uh, once forced to eat your own muff when you were driving around the country? Or you... No, no. I don't have that problem because I have a wood floor. Oh! Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> giving people splinters. Uh, uh, <laughs> why is this happening? Uh, 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 <laughs> gonna puke up my beard. Cigars and scotch, you're on the air. Hey, has, why are you wearing a beret? Uh, because I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with the French people. Uh, because they're cool. Didn't Lily rub her ass on that guy? All right, cigars and scotch. You have a podcast, too. What's it called? Uh, the Unlearned Show, live Tuesday nights at uh, 7 p.m. on unlearned.tv. Do you also have video? Oh, yeah. It's uh, internet uh, television. Ooh. Mm, <laughs> Thanks, man. I was watching uh, Oh Joey's show the other day. What's that? Uh, he does a podcast. Oh, okay. I don't know who is that. Do I know Joey? Him? Yeah, he's a good buddy of ours. He's oh. been all the mass. He's a great guy. We all like him. Okay. Oh, because you're Team Franklin. I forgot. Uh, oh no, I don't even know what that. I just I've been so far away. I don't even remember. Uh, a lot. Let of me think of Joey's name. show's name though. God, it's the tip of my tongue. I'm going to come up with it. It's a good one though. Is he the big guy? Yeah, big guy. Okay, I think I know. Great I guy. know exactly who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Um, let's go over here to Casper. Uh, You're on Hey, Casper. I'm, I'm Casper. Hey, Ronnie. <laughs> uh, you, you get one beard guy in that jury. Those guys are going away for a long time. Let's uh, take another listen to what happened to this guy. It's just, by the way, that show's called Not the Show with O'Joey, and it's a fine one. We're pretty good guys. My brother was cleaning out the stalls out there for Troy, you know, working for him. And uh, they uh, called, want me to come around there. Well, when I get there, I realized that they're already drunk. One thing led to another, and before I knowed it, there was knives and guns and everything just went haywire. They cut my beard and forced me to eat it. If we called the police, they said we would not live to see daylight. I believe in the law. I believe that justice has been served. And, you know, it will be after Tuesday. Um, before you note it, uh, the guys did plead guilty. Uh, they said, uh, yeah, we made the fat guy eat his own beard. Uh, 
They're going to be sentenced Tuesday. We'll do no time. But they cannot, under any circumstances, touch scissors. Um, here is um, Chris. Chris, you're on Run Fest. Hey, for the people that listen on the replays that audible, you might want to edit Lady Trucker's call because that's uh, disgusting. Anything from this show will be burned. That is a promise. That is a promise. Why did she say such things? Why would she do that? All we've ever done is treat her with kindness. Oh, I'm going to wake up tonight screaming about that. Scott, you're on the Run Face show. Hey, after that lady trucker call could literally, please, even if she has to make this shit up, please go back and tell us about the dream of baby girl. Please. I didn't have the dream, or else I would definitely explain it in very, very vivid details. But um, apparently I dominated her sexually as I snuck into her bedroom at, at night. That was a dream. Wow. Yeah. Was it a dream, or did it actually happen? <laughs> it was a dream. It was definitely a dream. Uh, Fez, you said you had some uh, little news piece that was driving you crazy, or shall I go to Chris Stanley for it? Um, let's see here. It was uh, Jen Sturger is uh, finally talked to the NFL. She's the woman who allegedly received the Brett Favre picks in her email. So, and her people are saying that this she has people. Yeah, her, well, her lawyer uh, saying that they've given the NFL so much more stuff on Brett Favre than um, has already been reported. So, and they want swift action on this. So I didn't know if, um, if the, if, what swift action is going to be. I mean, he's already said he's not playing next year. Is that if suspension or? Money. They want money. Yeah, they that's, want money. That's we've, the swift action that they're waiting for. We've and, talked about this for months now. Yeah. They want a million dollars or three million dollars or whatever it is. It doesn't have anything to do with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And the name Brett Favre just comes up constantly in sports. Brett Favre, LeBron. Brett Favre, LeBron. There's all these other players. But they're dramatic. Yeah, but neither one of them is winning. Very true. It has nothing to do with sport and everything to do with gossip. Um, Joe, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I just heard the terrible news about Lady Trucker in the wood floor. I was just wondering what Lily might be having down there. Oh, that's none of our business. Lily's Albanian. She goes from kneecaps to belly button. (laughs) Um, It's like a sheepdog had laid on her lap. No, I'm not into the hair. I think we should have lost it all in the evolutionary process already. We're not evolved, as you could (laughs) tell from the guy. We're making fat guys eat their beards in the Midwest. Is Kentucky the Midwest? I guess it's not far enough out there. It's south. It's middle America. Uh, Hicks, something's been driving you nuts, though. Something that you're terribly impassioned uh, about. And Fez, I don't want to step in on your passion. We're going to get to the bottom of the Brett Favre thing. Uh, but uh, this poor Hicks is just next to himself. He's so upset. Yeah. Well, fucking, can't, I was reading, um, uh, Ann Coulter made some po- post online on her blog or whatever. And she's saying that she wants to repeal the 26th Amendment. Which is basically saying, you know, basically setting ages for, um, voting. And basically, it's I'm trying to think it's right that eighteen year olds might shouldn't be able, you should wait to be older to actually vote because well, I what mean, does she want? She just wanted the the to just basically to twenty one, I believe. Back was, to twenty one. Yeah, back to twenty one was her uh, her point. So I guess the reason why she's saying this is that younger people tend to de- vote Democrat. 
I think that's a uh, well. That's I'm sure that's why the real reason. But she's saying that you know we can't. They aren't uh, can't deal with it. Deal with politics. Their their views aren't formed well enough yet to make an informed decision. Well, the only reason why we got the 18 year old vote was during the 60s. They were actually taking people and forcing them into the army. They were drafting them, but people who didn't even have the right to vote. So they're going, look, you won't even give us the full rights to this, and yet you're taking me out of my neighborhood, send me across the world, and let me get shot by Viet Cong. So that went in. And they, then they always predicted this big youth vote, but it never happens because most 18-year-olders don't vote that much anyway. And most adults are not educated on, you know, what's going on in politics either, and they're going out there and voting, you know? Yeah, well, most of the time, I mean, all of us have walked in to vote and go, all right, I've gotten down who I want for governor, I got down who I want for senator. Wait, who are the rest of these people? Mm -hmm. And there's just vote after vote, and it's commissioner. You don't know all the names. You tend to vote either party or, hey, I used to go to school with somebody with that last name. Right. Let's give it to McGillicuddy. <laughs> Maybe he can make a run out of this thing. Uh, you're not a big voter, are you, Lily? Um, I said... I I try to follow politics as much as possible, uh -huh. so I like to be, you know, up on it for sure. You're a lifelong Republican. I no, not a lot. I I don't even like to consider myself belonging to any party because did I don't you join a party I though? Do. Did I join one? Yeah. Um, I would say that I joined the Independent Party. So, I voted many different. Well, you don't ways. have to just say it that way. You register with a party, and you can vote as an register independent. What did you register? Um, I am not registered to vote right now. I, in the All past, right, so I was registered when I first registered to vote. I was registered as a Republican. Lifelong Republican. Not, it's no, but that's I'm not, not a problem. though. Like it was just somebody gave why me a record. I'm just why are you I'm ashamed not, of though. being a lifelong Republican? Well, I don't really like to put a Republican or um, a you know a Democrat why did you in front of anybody. Republican? It's just how it ended why up happening. Why do people? What are they even worried about? I, I honestly don't even know how it happened. I just, but I never. I don't think I ever voted Republican, if I remember. Did correctly. you ever vote at all? Yeah, sure. I've definitely voted. No, do you mm -hmm. have to get a, a special Albanian ballot, or are you uh, able to read English? I'm a U.S. citizen, so I, I use wow. the ballot that everybody else in this country Whoa. does. Yeah, it's it's huge. When did your When did your family come over to this uh, country? Sixties, late sixties. Uh -huh. Yeah, I remember my parents becoming U.S. citizens. So, yeah. They actually had a goat and two chickens under each arm <laughs> when they walked in there. I do vote for this country. I believe Reagan is a good man for Albania. The Albanians love George W. Bush. They went crazy for him. No, they go crazy for Clinton. They, they love Clinton, too? love Clinton. There's a statue in Kosovo of Clinton. It's a huge statue that they just unveiled like a year ago because of um, how him and NATO went in and... And, uh, I had you know, no were, idea of that. Yeah, Milosevic was basically going into Kosovo trying to kill out all the uh -huh. ethnic Albanians. And so, um, did, you, did your family worry that you guys were going to get killed, that they would come here to the States? No, my, well, my dad's sister still lives over in Europe. And uh -huh. so we were dev definitely were worried about out. a lot of uh, family members. Sure, yeah, it was scary. Yeah. And yet, here you are, you turn your, you know, 9-11, your family was dancing in the streets all happy. I don't know if that was how we reacted, but... Um, we took it as hard as most Americans did, sure. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Was, yeah. So your dad closed the restaurant that day? I think we stayed open. Uh -huh. We had to give uh, people sure, a place no, to come I, and, you I know. Understand. And all of a sudden, the prices doubled. <laughs> <laughs> He's charging for bread now. Bread extra. Extra on bread. Shaki, get in here. Remove all the free bread. Uh, we got a break here, Lily, though. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. And, uh... Fezzi's so ecstatic to have you here today, aren't you, Fez? I love Lily. I'm so glad she's here. Oh, that's nice.
Uh, we'll be back. Anything you want to talk about, Lily? Anything on your mind today? Um, <clears throat> well, I wanted to kind of, I know we've talked about this kind of a lot mm-hmm. when I was on the show, but it was the whole idea of being friends with exes because that was a very major Ooh. issue in my relationship relationships i should say a lot of them so that you wouldn't be friends or yeah i'm i'm against it okay we'll pick that up when we get back after the jump it's around a fez show ron and fez the virus on sirius xm you know she just wanted the bitches i got set up i got mail over her most of beach and i rent this little place for simone of Compton where you stay mm-hmm. about four blocks away Got this young 19-year-old country girl named Sharonda. I found her on the bus stop two days out of Georgia, barefoot country in the chicken coop. Took her to my place in Compton, told her to Hollywood. Run a Fed show. Our darling Lily sitting in here with us. Our little girl's all grown up now. She's grown up. She's grown up. She was our intern producer, you said four years ago, which is amazing. Yeah, I started four years ago in January. And then uh, out working in radio now and taking a little time off and just hanging. So you had this, you love to get into the girl guy talk. Yeah. That's your niche, Mm -hmm. as the marketers say. All right, so what topic, what was on your mind about it today? Well, I wanted to sort of discuss the friends with exes and that whole dynamic and can mm-hmm. it work and can it not work? Because I'm right now, like, I just got out of a relationship with a really, really great guy and we're sort of in this transition between, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, lovers into possibly friends. And now my whole life, I've never been able to be friends with exes. I've never mm-hmm. really been able to handle boyfriends who were friends with exes because it's never really worked it's never really ended up turning out favorably, favorably in my uh, situation. Okay. You know, like they've either left for exes or they've the exes have sort of maybe caused a little bit of rift mm-hmm. in the relationships and stuff. So now I'm I just got out of the, this relationship with this really great guy, and now he's really adamant about being friends and how you know we need to keep that friendship going. And and so I don't know if I want to. You know, I don't know if I want to be a hypocrite. And be friends with him, go against everything that I've sort of always believed in and, and went by in my life. So, all right. So the real fear for you is not only a he'll want to get back together, but also b he'll be cramping down on any new relationships that you're in. He wants you guys to be Seinfeld and Elaine. You don't think that's possible? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's possible for me. I mm. personally don't. I don't. I don't see how can can not cause friction down the road, you know? I mean, there's obviously, there was love once, and then how do you just, I don't know, I guess my problem can is Can it become like it. sibling love? Could you love this guy like he was your brother, but a brother that used to have crazy sex with? That's weird, right? Yeah. It's kind of weird. All right, let's uh, put it out there. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Now, you said you'd rather that your exes never hang out with their old exes or pal around or just consider it, hey, we're just friends now. You're always suspect of that. Yeah, 100% I am. I mean, I've had, in my past, I've had people who've been like, no, no, there's nothing to worry about. Right. And then they've definitely left me for ex-girlfriends. Like, just right. be honest about the reality of it, you know? Like, this is a person in your past, special to you, that's fine, it's never going to change, but I might not want anything to do with it. You know? And when you would say, please honor this one thing for me, no, don't worry about it. It's, 
You wonder sometimes if you're in a relationship with someone, why they can't just say, all right, yeah, you're making sense about this. Well, to me, and this was the argument that I had with, with my past dude, that the impression that you're giving is that your past is way more important than your present and your future. Ah. And that's, I think that can be very detrimental to a lot of relationships. But then they could say something like, hey, look, this seems like it matters a lot more to you than it yeah. does to me. And then you're a crazy person. And then it's like, well, and then he'll throw it back in your face. Like, well, you told me not to be friends with these people. You made it. You forced me to do it. You know, and then they might resent you for it. Oh, so it's God. Such a, such a weird situation. All right. This is an interesting one. Here's Chris from PA. Chris, what's your opinion on this? Um, I guess the older you get, the easier it is to stay friends with people. But I am married to my ex, to an ex-girlfriend's sister. But uh, we've been together for 15 years. But we're only married for one. However... A year after I broke up with this girl, I, that's when I started dating her sister. So it's not like I left her for her, but... Uh, right, but you've had sex with, with both, right? Yes. <laughs> so Thanksgiving's a little weird. Weird. It, it really isn't weird anymore. Because now she's married, but at first it was a little... And then it would be weird if we'd show up somewhere in there and be like four or five girls that I've been with. Just because everyone... I don't know. That's how many small times are problems. You, how many times are you alone with a sister slash your ex-girlfriend? Like, is it weird when you guys are alone, or does your wife not allow that to happen? Uh, she would allow it, but we are not alone. We, um, we don't really... We only stay But it, we, as soon as you're alone, you're saying, hey, remember that time we used to fuck? Oh, sure. Hey, we had some great times when we used to fuck. I don't know, whatever, whatever happened between us? Mm -hmm. I don't even remember yeah. whatever happened. <laughs> Every once in a while, we'll get drunk and have some conversations about it, because she always blamed herself, and I told her it was because I was a little nutty. So. See, I'm kind of surprised by this, because, Lily, I thought you were always selling the confidence angle like i don't care what happened before me nothing matters i think you've turned around on that a little bit maybe i've developed major insecurity issues but no mm -hmm. i think i've always kind of felt that way like i'm also very sexually competitive like i want to know about past sexual experiences right only so i can top them like i want to be better you know it's just a weird it's just a weird thing so that i have or do you just get off hearing about them some people like that could could be that yeah so you would want to know every detail? Yeah, if I could, yeah. Now, but let me ask you this, and we've been through your laundry list. <laughs> would you want those guys telling every detail about you? Not possibly. You don't mind if they explain to their new girlfriend, oh, she used to do this to me? I mean, that's... You know, I wouldn't know about that if he was doing that. Yeah, but then the next time you see that girl, she'd be like, oh, yeah, sick fuck that you are. <laughs> You're twisted. Um, let's go over here is, uh, Mike, Mike in Florida, you're in Lily, Lily, you're so naive. He How doesn't so? want to be your friend. He just wants to keep you in the back of his mind for a late night booty call. Right. And why am I naive? Obviously that's run through my mind, which is a definite hesitation of mine. So no, I'm not naive. I've definitely weighed the options here. You know? That's what every guy wants, though. He wants to, he wants to be your friend, or says he wants to be your friend, but he's really thinking, you know, I might need to come back late to that late one Friday night. But I, I mean, maybe I will say this: Do, oh, do any guys out there enjoy just being friends with their exes? Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. You're acting like it's impossible, Lily. I think it's impossible. I think you want our you want our permission just to say to this guy, no. 
I don't, now that we're broken up, I don't even want to be with you. Was this your idea of the breakup or his? Um, it was definitely his, but I think that he was definitely right for thinking that. Like, I think he was able to say maybe what I wouldn't, wasn't able to say. Right. Like, ultimately, it probably wouldn't have worked out. He was what, right. It what started going have. south? You thought the band sucked? <laughs> no, I think they're actually great. Oh, Jesus. And they will be worse. playing in New York soon. But um, I think it was a little. Um, too much too soon type of thing mm. i kind of lost my job and so that opened up a tremendous amount of time to be spending together you never would have been with him around the clock like no you are. definitely not definitely not yeah that is weird that's yeah. weird how that happens sometimes um here's charlie charlie you're on the run of face show hey uh i'm a big advocate of remaining friends with uh with the exes i'm i'm uh i'm on my second marriage and my first wife knows me probably better than anyone in the world does. And when there's a hardship that I need to go through or someone to talk to to deal with current problems I'm having, either in my relationship or with my children, she's always the go-to person. Uh, I'm the go-to person for her. Uh, we don't live anywhere near each other. We never see each other. But it's depending on how long you spend, I spent 10 years with this woman, and I mean, she knows me better than anyone, and it, it, it's a uh, it's a cheap counseling session to talk to her versus you know psychotherapy. See, is that healthy though? Yeah. Let's say this: Would you want to be dating a guy you're serious about him, and then he takes his problems to another chick? Absolutely not. Like hearing him say that, like it was no big deal, is drives me crazy. And I think people who are adamant about being friends with their exes are basically doing it to sort of um, soothe maybe the guilt that they have weighing on them. You know, everybody, I don't want to be a bad guy. I, God forbid, anybody could perceive me as being, you know, a shithead or anything. And I just want to be friends with everybody. Let's make peace, you know? Mm. I kind of feel like it's for their own sort of well-being than the other person's, really. They're not, I don't think that they care about if I'm going to be okay in the long run. They don't. I've never had to deal with this because legally I'm not even allowed to contact any exes. It normally ends uh, with a policeman explaining to me what this means. Um, let's go over here. Let's let's try uh, Rocco. You're on Ron and Fez. Hey, um, yeah, usually with my exes, it's a lot easier to be friends with them if I have, like, a new girlfriend that's, that's like, better looking or something because then, like... It's kind of like a fuck you to them, you know? Yeah, friends don't act that way. That's what I'm saying. Right. You're mistaking. These people are your exes, not your friends. People use the term friend way too effing loosely. Uh, what is, up, guys. What is a real friend to you? Um, Somebody that you're not competitive I'm with? I'm sorry. I don't bang my friends. I don't bang my friends. What about baby girl? <laughs> <laughs> um, here's Dominic. Dominic, you're on my Fez. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Yeah. I think Lily's right because, uh, I mean, I'm 43, and uh, I, I, I've had my fair share of women, and at the same point, once you're through with them, I, I don't think you really want to be friends with them because of who, who else they're going to be with, and I, I don't think they want to know who you're going to be with. So I, I think it's... Uh, There's, there's always going to be some kind of hurt feelings. 
I think so. I think the people who think you can be friends with exes are the people who maybe have done the breaking up. Like they, they've right. already shut the feelings off. But it's not so easy for the other person sometimes. <laughs> that you know? is a really good point. That when you decide to move on, it's much easier to go, hey, we had some good times. Right, right. But when you're like, wait, this isn't done yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we had good times or not. Yeah. I look like an animal over here. <laughs> Here's Linda. You're on the Run of Fest show. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Good, darling. Uh, I think you guys are overlooking maybe one kind of relationship. Um, have you ever been in a relationship where you liked each other and it was always that, that flirting going on and then you take it that extra step and you sleep together and then you realize, you know what, it wasn't that great. And then you go back. That's an easier way. And I do know people that have that. Does that qualify what you're talking about? Does Linda, I would only say this, that if the sex is bad, it's the woman's fault. And because how can you have bad sex? Again, uh, come on. It's just, you know, you do it because you feel comfortable and comfortable isn't always the best thing, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, so that happens, right? She, uh, but a what? fling is different than an ex. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but flings, do you really want to start, uh, you know, a relation like a friendship all right. with somebody that you just banged? All right. Well, let's. Uh, here, here's what happens. Like you and Franklin are, are friends, right? Mm-hmm. And you enjoy having a guy friend. He enjoys having a, a girlfriend. And there's nothing. Suppose one night or a couple times you guys thought, "Hey, maybe let's take this further," and it just didn't feel right to each other. Now, should you give up all that friendship that you guys are compatible in every other way? Except for the fact that, you know, you're not with Franklin because you're not a lesbian. Right. Well, (laughs) there's a difference. Yeah. I mean, one is just friends that made a mistake of possibly getting together one night. And then the the other is somebody that you spent your life with, maybe years with. And can you now be friends after that? I think it's really hard, especially if you didn't start as friends. I think it's really kind of. What about Earl? How's Earl doing? (laughs) I haven't even talked to him in a while. He's, you know, my life, uh, you know. Eeyore, he's got these just... Well, he's selling, selling those vacation packages and kicking ass, right? I didn't even know about this. Yeah, no. yeah, he's selling... You can get a vacation to Daytona with Earl. Wow, looking to do some traveling. Great. Not Daytona. <laughs> do yourself a favor, not Daytona. Um, here is uh, Josh, Herman Fez. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. I tell you what, it is the worst... Absolute horrible idea you can do to stay friends with somebody after a relationship. I mean, I was with a woman that dated through high school, got married, yada, yada, got divorced, tried doing the friend thing. She was the sweetest girl, one of those people that everybody on the planet likes. Doesn't matter who she meets, everyone loves her. Everything went fine, being friends, until she found out that I was engaged with this girl I'd been dating. All of a sudden, she's stalking my, at the time, fiancé, calling her work, telling him all this horrible stuff that she had done in this customer service job, <laughs> eventually got my fiancé fired from her job yeah, good. and even showed up on my wedding day trying to ruin the friggin' wedding. How'd you fi- How did she find out you were engaged? Did she hear it from you or did she hear it from somebody else? Oh, I heard it from me. Okay. I thought, you know, everything was fine. I dated, you know, a few different people and she was fine with the dating thing. And once she found out I was going to get married, she just turned into this crazy freaking beast of a woman. It was unreal. The RSVP came back bloody. Here's the thing. That was always her. She was always nuts. You just didn't realize it because you were having sex with her. She's always been bananas. 
I think people are sort of shocked when they discover that people are sexually very possessive. We just are by nature, some more than others, but, you know, we like what's ours, and then when somebody takes it away from us, we don't really take it. Is that right? Do you think it comes down to that? I think so. It's definitely part of that. Um, Well, let's talk to somebody with some wisdom here and who has quite a few exes. I'd like to see him find happiness one day. Anthony, uh, someday, someday, Ronnie. Thank uh, you. We're all we uh, all worry about you. Oh, please! I'm the last one anyone should worry about. <laughs> I'm through life with my shoelaces untied. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I absolutely have to say uh, I don't think I've been friends with an ex except for one, Melinda. Yeah, Melinda's a great pal. She's uh, and the thing was, it was very awkward at first. To right. uh, yeah, very awkward at first. Oh, cops right there. Huh? To to like try to be friends with uh, an ex because they, I don't know, they sit there and they're with somebody else and it's very, you know, shitty. Was that terrible uh, for you when it first happened? Um, yeah, let me go, let me go. Here, because there's police officers here. There we go. <laughs> I'm on a cell phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a little weird at first. You can't really talk. You, you, it's awkward when you're in the same place and shit. But, uh, after a while, because we were going out for years, yeah. And then after a while, it just became, uh, you know, kind of okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, she, uh, she's like a real good friend now. No sex or nothing, you know. Not that I'd say no, you know. Right. Yeah, you know, that's the woman's choice all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it is a hundred percent the woman's choice. It's like no, man. It's a completely monogamous relationship. <laughs> yeah. She said so. <laughs> but it could be dealt with, and she's been really cool over the years and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously you guys know she uh, she loves you guys. Well, yeah, uh, I know. That, this is the weird thing. When Aunt Melinda broke up, it was, like, devastating mm-hmm. to me and Fez. We're just like, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were the power couple of uh, satellite radio. You really were. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, see, now, here you go. And saying it works. Yeah, I guess maybe the problem is is that so soon after, people just kind of put this pressure on. Like, we have yeah, to be yeah. friends. We have to be friends and don't sort of let, you know, the broken that's heart start to kind of mend. That's exactly what it is. got to spend time apart, like, and feeling awkward and not wanting to talk. About, like, I didn't want to know who the she was going out with or fucking or I'm sure she right. didn't want to know what I was doing. So it's, uh, you know, you let time go by. And if, you, you know, you still, we were still in the same circles. We still knew the same people. Because so she was with Opie. <laughs> Somehow I can't see that happening. No, I don't see that either. <laughs> no, no. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to have two batshit crazy people in the same room. <laughs> it's funny how the rest of us got quiet. Like, I don't know whether I should be laughing. This should be ants to take on his own. <laughs> I, and that's one thing great about uh, Melinda. We've always known. <laughs> shit crazy, Ronnie. Now, when you, when you, uh, but if it was before Melinda, you would have thought this would have never worked until this one thing. Yeah, no, I would never. Once, once an ex was an ex, that was it. I never wanted to see him, hear from him again, or anything. What right. about your ex-wife? You guys gonna become oh, friends? God, <laughs> careful, yeah, he's driving. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, please. We communicated by my checkbook. That was, that, that was about it. Uh, thank God that relationship ended uh, uh, a year ago. I, I made my last payment to her, and uh, you know, only wish the best, only the best. Here's the problem: uh, Aunt Lily can never find anyone. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's what it is. She's a ball breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it, Lily? Your relationships really go to shit. Yeah. I've I... never heard worse stuff from guys I've known that have gone out with you than shit they say about you. <gasps> I've heard the same stuff, too. I heard you were a fucking psycho. Who yeah, said that? I don't want to say guy code. No. I don't want to say cunt, but cunt comes out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And crazy, lunatic, um, psycho. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, these are guys that, you know, I, I've talked to about other girls, and they're like, oh, yeah, she was cool. You True. know, things didn't work out. Yeah. This is really yeah. hard to hear right now. Hard Don't to, take it personal. How do you not take it personally? You seriously didn't know that people say shit like this. <laughs> no. The C word is very offensive to me. Oh, my not, God. Not well, crazy. Don't be one. One. <laughs> I was so shocked I'd not, I dropped the naked Lily pictures that they were showing me. Oh, damn. Uh, there's none yeah. of them out there, is there, Lily? Is there what? Any naked Lily pictures with ex-boyfriends no. that you let them take shots? There's no naked pictures. Yeah, it's such an me. insane thing to do. No naked pictures. Mm. It, you know, it's forever on the Internet. It is. It's forever. MyExGirlfriend.com. <laughs> Once you're a whore on the internet, you're a whore for life. Well, maybe it should be you and Lily. Maybe that's the way we go here. That uh, no, Lily shows no interest. She oh, just that's wants true. Guys that are going to treat her like uh, dog shit, uh, break up with her, and then call her the c-word. So I'm apparently not. Uh, I don't fall into that category. Well, you don't. I don't need you to buy me booze like most of your ex-girlfriends do. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 29. So, a little Jesus old. Christ. We, have, we haven't even gone out and she's being a fucking psycho bitch. I know. I love you. I love, I love you. And I miss you so much. I know. I love you, Lily. I miss you, too. I haven't seen you in a long time. we got to get yeah. the Long Island parties going again. I know. I had a big Halloween party. Where was you? Where yeah, was he, you? He hasn't stopped. It's you. You stopped. <laughs> they're, they're still going. Oh. Yeah, really? <laughs> get a Twitter account. Yeah, what are you doing? I, I tell you what, though, more than the parties, I definitely would like to be invited to the basement to do some radio. And I do uh, mean radio. Yeah. I just got a, a text from Laszlo. Apparently, Laszlo wants to do a show from the studio on November 20th. So uh, stay tuned for that. Live nice. from the oh, that's a don't-miss situation. I have to rent it out because I'm not allowed to do them myself for some reason. Oh, is that right? You can't do it anymore? Yeah, I have, you know, about $150,000 worth of equipment down there that I can't use for anything. I... I'm not quite. I don't know why. I'm really. I can't get on the uh, on a, a video podcast in my basement and spout off about things. But uh, you know, whatever. I got a job. Yeah, that's it. You got a job. <sighs> yeah. You used I've to have a career, parents, so. but now you have a yeah, job. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh God! I feel like I signed up for the military. They, yeah, it is. It's going to be a career. Yeah. What happened? Uh, all right, kids. You have fun um, and uh, enjoy your weekend. I know I will. All right, my brother. Peace. All right. All right there goes that. Uh, who shot your theory out of the, the water there, saying you can be friends? Yeah, I mean, Aunt knows all, right? He's a very wise. Well, aunt. but it, like you said, uh, Melinda's so much fun and she's cool and she's like that. Um, she's like the guys girl type of mm -hmm. thing. She's like the girl that guys can hang out with. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of them. Yeah. If we're being totally honest. Um, Mikey Boy wants to bring some. You remember Mikey Boy, right? Yeah, of course. Hey, Mikey. Hey, I seem to remember a bet that Lily lost. Doesn't she owe Anthony a night at the compound? I think I already gave him that. That was with Melinda, though. Oh, yeah. That was going to be the, uh, I think I was going at rape weekend there for a while. <laughs> so I was told rape isn't funny, which I disagree. But what am I going to do?
so you wanted to go in and podcast. You can do your own, I'm sure. Yeah. Apparently, it's very easy since every listener has one. I didn't know it was that easy to put together. Well, if you go and do the one at, at Ann's house, it'll yeah. really look nice. Yeah. Um, now, we are going to be uh, doing something kind of fucking uh, cool this weekend. We're giving away a Pat Cooper thing. I guess on Monday we'll do this on a mass show of some Twitter over the unma- on the unmasked with Pat Cooper. It should be a fun one, Fez. That's this weekend. That's airing this weekend, starting Saturday night on Raw Dog, Sirius XM Comedy, starting at 8 p.m. in the East, Pat Cooper Unmasked. Now, the um, coolness too is we've got the Mark Marin coming up December 8th, uh, who's not just uh, a very funny guy, but also an interesting guy, can go off on a lot of topics so I'm really, really looking forward to doing the one with our Mark uh, Marin. Mikey Boy, are you going to make that one? I'm, I'd like to, yeah. I put in my request already. So. Oh, oh yeah. Mikey Boy puts in his request. I'd like a request, please. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Cool. See you guys. Uh, and who are you playing this weekend in fantasy football? I pulled Earl again. This is great. Oh, it's like a, it's like a gift week when you're playing yeah, Earl. Hopefully. All right, peace. Right, see you. I'll tell you this, Fuzzy. This is a must win for me. Uh-huh. If I don't win, I feel sorry for you guys this weekend because I'm going to come in here raining shit on Monday. I will rain shit because I need this one bad. Who do you have this weekend? I don't know who I'm playing. I'm not, I don't pay attention to it. I'm like Earl where I don't pay full attention. But if I don't uh, win, hell to pay. Uh, who do you got, Fuzz? I have Chris Stanley, and I'm already a little bit behind the eight ball. His Baltimore Ravens, couple players there. Todd Heap uh, came through for him last night at the Let's end of the game. It. I need this fucking bad. How many points you got right now? Twenty. Between two guys? Yeah. What the fuck is he bragging about? That shit. Those. Are just, if I get a guy that ra- only gets ten, I fucking waiver wires. Oh really? Ass. You just drop him immediately? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Ray Rice only blows up when he's on my goddamn bench. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row, asshole. No, no, in. he he got nine points. He didn't fucking blow up. He oh. he only when he's on my fucking bench is when he actually fucking gets points. I when can't I understand you because you go into fucking straight screaming. Sorry. <laughs> so you put him in and he only got nine points. Yeah, but when well, he's on my bench, he'll blow up. Fed treats that like it's fantastic. Well, you're on your way then. Oh fuck that! Nine points for your halfback? Crazy. Insane. Uh, Trevor, Texas, you're on Fez. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to back to the Friends with Exes thing, and I, I agree with Lily. I think a lot of people are confusing. There's a difference between being friendly with someone mm-hmm. and they're your friend, where you call them on Friday night to see what's going on. You know what I mean? There's a lot of girls that I, if I run into, I'm nice with. I don't, you know, call them a cunt if I run into them at the bar, but I don't call them on the weekend and say, hey, what are we doing this weekend like I do with my actual friends? Mm. Yeah, I think the word the term friend is used, used a little too loosely. We can't help you. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> tried and tried everybody. I don't think I need help. I just, you know, I'm just going to, I'm living my life. I'm, but you're I'm, learning I'm more. happy, yeah. I mean, you didn't know that so many people talk behind your back. <laughs> does that freak you a little bit? Um, yeah, actually, it does. That's And the, the harshness of some of the words I, I find yeah. to be kind of offensive. One um, of them came up in a job interview. <laughs> when I was interviewing wow. somebody, we... Went through the whole thing of how crazy you are. No. Let me ask you this. Why do you like to be choked? What is that for? <laughs> Did somebody say this? Or are you just assuming that I like it? Um, 
I don't. I kind of. I'm like Dave. Like we are both Scorpios, and so we like sort of very aggressive sex, not together. Oh, I, I thought I for a minute you want. and Dave seriously. Please, I, I said it and was like, wait. I do you to. know that not another human being has compared to the, themselves sexually to Dave <laughs> ever? It's a sad day. It's... I'm like Dave. <laughs> But no. he was very vocal about like well, he loves he to be spat being, upon. He likes to be called names. Spitting, he likes to be choked. I don't. I can't. Yeah. I, I can't get into that. I think that's pretty, pretty much the most degrading thing that you could do to somebody. But you like the name calling. Um, if it's in a nice way, not like well, behind it, my back. In no, a I mean, job like interview. while you're having sex, you like to be called names. Sure. Yeah. What kind of names do you like to be called? I like being called my own name. Uh huh. I like hearing somebody say my own name. You are voice, an egomaniac. Like, but I'm not though. Like I, I like knowing that I'm giving somebody pleasure, and so whatever, like whatever they're just as long as they say something, not just be quiet. You don't like the quiet guys. No, I've had a couple of the quiet. I don't know. Like you need to tell me what's going on. A moan is something. Right. You know. I like. You know. See, a lot of guys don't realize this that they stay in their own head with the whatever twisted things that they're saying, but girls would rather hear those things. Absolutely. I want to know what's going on. Mm. Yeah. You need a broadcaster then. You need to date somebody in the broadcasting field. I, Give me the weather and I, the traffic before we get started. On the tens. Yeah. <laughs> I come on the tens so the guy could tell you. Uh, Dick Enberg would have been crazy and I had a fucking uh, quick shot to him last night. Because this is all new to you and you've been kind of crazy aggressive in here today i'm gonna ask you to take a step back because you know slowly it's time sure just for five seconds but fez doesn't date as you know mm -hmm. but has really looking into it for the last two and a half years he wants to start dating or does he what's your real, real belief about fez does he um does he want to date i think he does i think that he craves um intimacy i think so mm. I think he's just a little bit afraid. Uh, You're you afraid of losing that, you know, like you, the way I come in here and I'm like, oh, yeah, dumped again. You know, there's that fear. Sure. Every time you jump into it. But, right. Um, you can't be afraid of that because I've had good experiences doing that. Even the bad ones were fun. They're stories, you know, so just jump in there and do it. What scares you, Fez? Um, I think part of it is what Lily said, the the fear of losing it once I have it. Well, well that doesn't even make sense to me. And then would be like, I want to get a vet, but I don't want it to crash, so I'm not going to get a vet. It seems insane to me. Yeah. And then there's also the fear of intimacy. What of, do you mean? What's that? Of actually being with somebody, of getting naked, of performing, mm -hmm. of... Doing all that. No, is that fear or disgust? No, I think it's fear. So you're that not disgusted I'm, by it? No, I'm not disgusted by it. I, I worry that someone's going to be disgusted by me. That's where the disgust comes in. Boy, Lady Trucker, who already disgusted us once today, just wrote to us, Lily's like Dave, Big Clit, or Little Dick? <laughs> she's, she's awful. She's turning me into Fez. Um, Hector, you're on a fez. Hey, Lily. Um, I know you have nice feet. Do you like having guys do things to your feet? Oh, my God. Um, do you have really I'm nice afraid feet? to answer these questions because then it just opens up the floodgates of perverts just wanting to know things. Is there, is, you don't have a foot fetish, right? I, I enjoy my feet being touched or pleasured or, or whatever. I, I enjoy my feet being touched. I see. So you brought that up at one point? 
It, it comes up. Mm. Mm-hmm. It will eventually come up. Oh, God. <laughs> Fez, I'm not going to even ask you about you, but do you realize that you, this thing that you're on the launch pad, right? Uh-huh. Do you realize that at a certain point, let's say you take a space capsule, you put it on the launch pad, and then they go 10, 9, you go, oh, I don't want to take off, 10, 9. Do you know that uh, eventually that capsule will rust and break apart and fall over? Yeah. It's like the space shuttle now in Florida. It's all cracked. What is a bigger fear for you? Intimacy or death? Um, right now, I would say intimacy. That, I mean, that really, it just feels like so many things could go wrong. Just it, They can. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, but you, you know, that can't scare you away from experiencing it, you know? Um... I find that I don't know what could go wrong. What's you mean something sexually could go wrong? Yeah, I mean like anything like bad breath or the person wants to leave or you know what I mean or you know we get to that point and I've done something to make that person so even not want to do it. See, even the bad breath, I think that comes back to disgust, not fear, mm-hmm. but disgust it. Mm-hmm. So morning sex would be totally out for you? I mean, no, no I think once I could get over the hump, yeah. Oh, <laughs> ass hump. And, you know, get to know some. I think then I would be fine. It's almost, And it's like that. But it's that first encounter yeah. that I'm worried about just being a complete disaster. You need you somebody were- to be gentle with you and take care of you. Me and Fez are looking for the same things. We just, you know. You're describing a mommy. <laughs> a hairy mommy in this case. You're going to be fine. I think you're going to be fine. What's he got to worry about? He's yeah. taking it in the ass. <laughs> it's not like he's doing heterosex where you're expected to perform. <laughs> um, Frank, you're on Fez. Fez is literally afraid of shit in the bed. Literally. Yeah. I think shit that might have a lot to do with it. Fez, how big is shit play into this for you? Um, I be think, totally honest. Yeah, I think that's a big uh, part of it, of just... Something going really, really wrong. Shit wrong? Uh-huh, yeah. Shit wrong. I. It just seems to me, if somebody wants something and they really want it, they don't sit around and focus on what's wrong. I mean, I've never even known a person who, when they're fantasizing about a girl, would start to fantasize bad things. Yeah. Even guys that don't carry it through at least the fantasy is exciting for them and you know he is definitely fixating on the things that could go wrong like usually when we get like into a relationship and in our heads jumps like all these ideas like everything that can possibly go wrong all the red flags and we naturally ignore them is what we typically do but see fez you're kind of like obsessing about them and that can probably be do more harm. Yeah, I, I think I also Maybe. I didn't know the term for it. Ronnie brought it up earlier that Thank parataxic you. distortion. Yeah, where I think even though I haven't met someone, I've already done that, and I've kind of put them up on a pillar where it's like they're going to be perfect, and I am going to shit in the bed. Yeah. So why is it a bad thing? At least you're with a better person than you. Yeah, that part's good, but I don't want There's wanna... some people out there that are like, oh, go ahead and shit the bed. It turns me on. Find yourself a freak. <laughs> Find yourself a nasty, disgusting freak. Um, here's Pete. Pete, you're on my face. 
Hey, what's going on? Uh, I just want to say that says everybody has that fear, but you just got to think that the other person across from you has the same exact fucking thing. Everybody why would that? And that's why they invented alcohol. So everybody's get drunk and just fuck. That's the way it is. Yeah. That sounds like a winning fucking possibility. Just drink and fuck. Drink and fuck the Fez Watley story. Drink, drink, fuck, fuck. Be like me. Are you getting any closer with any of this, Fez? Are you? Here's the thing. Here's the two things leaning over you: death and a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just try to have as much fun as you can before those other two things pop in? Yeah, I really should. It's um, I don't know what. Exactly. When I approach people, I don't know exactly what goes wrong. Like sometimes, I mean, not that it happens all the time. Uh, uh, Let, let's run it through. Let Lily judge. Judge. Let's just pretend that I'm the other person, and uh, Fez is coming over to me. Hey, how you doing? Anyone sitting here? No. You mind if I sit here? What are you? Hundred questions here? What's with all the questions? Well, I was just uh, going to sit down. Well, now you have. Yeah, can I get you a drink? I have a drink, thank you. Okay. Uh what uh what game are you watching here? Again with the questions? Well that's all I have. <laughs> Let's see. Aww. He's really pushy. What game are you watching here? What has that ever worked in the this is the place that he's going. <laughs> the place that he's going, people are gambling. This is a good-looking guy, though, right? Yeah, he looks great. I just, I actually commented when I saw him how great he looks. Should he blacken the beard? Is the white beard, you think, kind of frightening for him? I don't know. I kind of, I kind of dig it. See, but, I never um, realized how white it actually is. Like in the mirror, mm -hmm. you know, it looked to me, it looks kind of salt and pepper. And then I'll see a photo or something that gets put up on Two Hundred Two Friends, and I'm actually shocked at how yeah. white it looks. There's well, no pepper. How white are yeah. photographs? Yeah. Yeah, it's salt and salt beard. But it also, your beard comes off white because your teeth are so brown. Now, here's the other thing, Fez. Okay. Why are you asking so many questions when you're coming up? Why can't you just be a person? Well, it's... Right, let's I try. think I try to All get right. it going. I All try right. to get it moving. All right. Because if I don't say something, hours are going to pass. That person is going to leave, and I'll have never said a word. There's well, Mr. Positive you, Thinking. Instead of asking the questions, why don't you maybe make a statement that could kind of prompt them into a conversation with uh, you? Because, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, questions is like, yes or no. And if they're not interested, they'll be watching? like, no. And the then fucking game is yeah. right there, you lunatic. Why don't you look up? It's the Rams. Uh, let's try it again. Okay. What she says. Favre had a pretty good comeback last week. Again with Favre? <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of different people. I'm cheering on my bucks here. They're doing pretty good this season. Hmm? All right, now you just turned your back <laughs> completely away, uh, completely towards me. All right, try it again. This is a pretty fun place. This is my first time here. Yeah, it really is. Hey, I hope I'm not being too forward here, but you look like my dead grandpa. No, that's not too forward. Was he a nice guy? He used to touch me. Okay. Think I should dye this beard? Again with the questions. 
Yeah, the grandpa thing threw me off. Um, Maybe ask what he does for a living. Okay, I was trying to avoid questions. Oh, but okay. What do you do for a living? I sell women's <laughs> shoes. <laughs> How is that for you? It's going well? How about you? What do you do for a living? Um, uh, I, uh, I have a radio show. Really? What's the name of the show? It's the Ron and Fez show. I've heard that show. Is there only one guy on there? That would be Ron. <laughs> Look, enough small talk. You ready to fuck, fuck, drink, drink? <laughs> okay. All right, now you can stay hard, can't you? Uh, we'll have Promise to Promise me! <laughs> and no shitting! I can't make any guarantees! Stay rock hard and don't shit! I think we should be honest from the beginning. So your honesty was, I might shit. <laughs> That actually went better, though. Yeah. You kind of just We got to fuck, fuck, drink, drink yeah. that time. Yeah, it should have been drink, drink, fuck, fuck. I think I yeah. screwed it up. Would you be comfortable going back to somebody's uh, apartment if it was that blunt? Um, You know, I, I've thought about that, and I think... I don't know whether it's like... I keep thinking, should I get a... Like, I don't, I don't think anyone would want to come all the way out to my place on Roosevelt Island. But I think not unless they have a boat. <laughs> but I always think or a death wish. Maybe if it's if it's that fast and furious, just trying to grab like a hotel room nearby. Oh God! Did you Is talk about bad? awkward. No, not in your field. You people get fucking laid in a stall. <laughs> yeah. With other people cheering. Um. Here's Dennis. You're on Fez. Hey guys. Um. I just was wondering, why why is Fez talking to guys at a bar? Well, let's face it, I'm playing the part of a fucking woman here, aren't I? <laughs> and that's why you hear me, you know, adjusting. How much money do you have on you when you go into these places? Um, I what guess cash. I probably have anywhere from like uh, 60 to $80. That's enough to kill for. Why would anyone leave their house with only 80 bucks in their pocket? What are you trying to look like, a ham and egger? Um, here's, uh, Tony. You're on my face. You need one, uh, pseudo-sexual experience. You go get a massage from a male masseuse. He takes care of you. He grooms you. And then you never know what happens. You know what I'm saying, buddy? Oh, God. Pay him, pay him for a reach-around. All right, let's try it again, Fess. Okay. And any other tips for him? How's he doing so far? How do you think? think? Help me, Lily. You're doing better. You're definitely doing better. But the key is you definitely want to engage in a conversation. So, you know, not any questions that will be sort of short answers. I kind of like the idea of taking, like, maybe say a controversial statement and kind of get somebody to sort of, you know, bait okay. them into talking All to right, you. That's you nice. know what I mean? That's nice. They should play without helmets this game. <laughs> you know, maybe it would be fucking great for you if you learn to go to a place that people aren't watching a fucking football game. All right, try it again, though. Try, even your same line. Okay. They should play without uh, helmets in this game. How controversial. <laughs> Where you been all my life, Santa? <laughs> would you like a drink drink? I have one. You know, people in bars have drinks. I don't know why that shocks you. No, but they also like to have someone buy them a drink, too, I think. 
Because it's worked out so well for you? Well, no. Um... Do you live in the city? Yeah, I do. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a Porsche dealer. I deal Porsches. How's that going in this economy? Oh, it's great. Sold a Porsche to anyone famous? Really? This is the questions you have for me? I never met a Porsche dealer yes, before. Yes, I did. I sold a Porsche to Nipsey Russell. Is that what you're after? <laughs> Wow, what does one of those things go for? <laughs> I'm not working now. Right. Let's get that through our fucking heads, Kenny Rogers. I hope you're a Kenny Rogers fan. So, yeah, this is basically how it goes. Is this really? Um... Well, usually if I don't get a response, I just stop. So you stop getting responses? That's happened before. You gotta, leave, you gotta use Craigslist. Sometimes I get conversations going, and then it's what's I several times I've given out like my email or my cell phone. Mm -hmm. My God! So you're saying how long do people usually wait? Oh, I'm still waiting, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's like, should you force yours on them? As well? <clears throat> well, let's try it. Let's just go through the whole thing. Oh, this is really fun. Um, how What's about I fun? Hanging out here with you. Oh. How about I give you my email and uh, cell phone uh, number? Oh, that's perfect. All right. And what is it? Say it out loud to me, please. What's well, Fez2000 at AOL.com. Is that your weight? <laughs> no, that's my email address. All right. And I want you to uh, try me. I'm Kenny at thisdoesn'texist.com, and if you can't get that, if I don't answer that, try turning off your fucking computer and chucking it. I see. I don't think I'm getting the real uh, info there, Lily. <clears throat> What's he doing wrong, Lily? Um, going to a bar. It doesn't work for him. I don't think a bar is a place to pick up anybody. Not even a sports bar at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday? If that's, what about this know. Favre, huh? How does that ever work? All right, try it again, Fess. Take it from the top. Okay. Oh, here's my... Uh, I, I, I wrote down my email address and uh, cell phone number for you. That's great. Why don't you put it in your back pocket? See, when I feel, uh, that's the resistance that I get, and I tend to can, leave. Can I tell you something? You sound a little des desperate. Oh, okay. You, you don't seem comfortable. with. No, I'm not. Yeah. So when he says, it's in my back pocket, you know, you should maybe say something like, hey, you want to maybe get it get it for me? You oh, know, a little flirtation. Oh, okay. All right. You know, you gotta give these people, you know, the idea that possibly you're interested, you know? Flirt flirtation. So I was wondering if I could get your email address or cell phone number. <laughs> Why? Why do you guys at Radio Shack ask for so much information? <laughs> Would you really say that? It is a Radio Shack line you just did. Oh. I'd like to get your email address and cell phone number, and we'll be contacting you shortly.
Right. Let's take it from the top, Fez. Okay. Would you like to hang out? Oh, uh, Jesus. All right, you just spit a cigar at well, me. Well, you, you walked up <laughs> on me like that. It was insane. Could have been burned. What is, what is it? Now you're angry? No. What is it you want? I was just going to see if I could get your cell phone number. Maybe we could hang out sometime. Hang out where? Um, my back pocket. <laughs> that didn't work. What do you mean, your back pocket? I was going back to a previous fictitious conversation. So, you know, maybe if you'd like to just get something to eat. Like where? Where would we go? Oh, we could go, um, let's see. Uh, I'm sure there's some uh, nice restaurants around here. Yes, we're in Manhattan. Where do you go to eat? We could go uh, over to Lobster City. Lobster City? Where's that? It's on 49th Street. You mean City Lobster? Oh, that's it. <sighs> I get very yeah. nervous. Uh, Phil, you're on Ron Fez. Hey, Ron, I just want to see if we can turn the tables. Uh, let, let you ask the questions a while. Not a bad idea. Okay. All right, you ready? Uh-huh. Hey, fatty, it's your lucky night. You get to lick my balls. <laughs> Hurry up, follow me outside of the car. I think that's a question. Just fucking follow me. <laughs> I'll slit your throat. Say I get nervous about that, too. What's that? That I will get mugged. Well, you should be nervous about that. Because and just clobbered over the head. It's a disgusting world you're fucking lowering yourself into. Chilean miners have a better way of living. Uh, Lily, it was great seeing you today. So great seeing you guys. Thank you for having me sit in today. Um... I heard from some people you're going to be getting a call from Dave. Okay. Uh, at least you guys let us see if you got the chemistry. I believe you do. Yeah, I think so. I think we, we always had that love-hate, brother-sister relationship. That You loved sucked. him, he hated you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Fez, you'll be... Where's the next place you're going to be embarrassing yourself this weekend? Oh, Are um, you going to give it a try on Sunday? Yeah, I was. Yeah, one more try. Just uh, one more time? This no, I meant another try. Make or break? Uh, no, no, it won't break out, but I'm, keep trying, keep showing up. Something's got to give. Yeah, that's my philosophy. Just keep trying, Fez. You remember this song, don't you, Lily? Yeah, of course. I asked Hicks to play me another going out song today for Artie's funeral, but he's like, fuck you, I'm going to drink, drink, fuck, fuck instead. It's my way of being funny. Um, well, I'm going to see you back here soon, and while you're looking, you can always stop in and do this show. I'll be in the tri-state area for a few weeks, so well, you might see me again. And you've been very helpful to Fez. I really think it's, it's going to work out for him. Good. I do. I feel strongly about this. I may take you Sunday just as my Cyrano. I will be your wingman, woman. Can she get in? Oh, sure. Yep. That's disgusting. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, I'm at show. On that show, uh, giving out a signed Pat Cooper thing uh, by Monday based on the Unmasked. And we'll see you guys back then. Mark Marin, of course, coming up on the Unmasked in December. Go to Unmasked show for that. Anything else we need to plug, Fez? Just remind people that the Pat Cooper Unmasked airs this Saturday night, starting this Saturday night, and then Sunday and Monday as well with replays on Raw Dog, Sirius XM Comedy. Okay, I guess the signed Pat Cooper thing is a stupid way to put it, but... Some DVD or a book or something great. 
and it's signed by him. And that's going to be collectible if he gets the head cold. Uh, that's the end of my show. Dong. Satellite of love. Satellite of love. Satellite of love. Satellite of Satellite. Satellite of love Satellite